Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. Duh. And I am Nathan from Nathan Does Beer. You certainly are. And welcome to episode 135 of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast adjunct series. Nate, we've done it again. We have another banger. Do we ever not have a banger? Yes, we do. No, we never ever, We never don't have a banger. But now we're, uh, we're doing one of these things where we're bringing back a previous guest, which I'm really excited about. Yes, we do that from time to time. Uh, I always find it fun to check back in with folks, um, you know, usually within a year or two, because, you know, things change. Beer is a fast-paced industry. Uh, things happen quickly here. Um, this one was four years almost to the uh, day at least to the release day of recording um, that we did the last one, which is crazy. So the original episode for this one was episode 114 of the original in-person series. That's how long ago it was. So, um, you know, it's great to have the guy uh, back. This brewery and this gentleman are definitely one of the most renowned in Ontario. And I feel they're one of the still like the most underrated and under talked about breweries in their category when i say category i guess i'm referring to kind of like that hype world um they've been pumping out consistent fire for a long time and um i'm excited this is one of the episodes nate and i were talking earlier uh via text that i have to control myself because these are the this is the times where uh, you know sometimes you're just throwing them down so i'm gonna behave nate i promise okay i'll do my best you behave too <laughs> God damn um yeah yeah okay promise all right guys please welcome jordan from rouge river in the building there he is. welcome hey you drippy gentleman good to see you again bro that's right that's right yes. good to be here, good to be here. <laughs> happy to have you back apologies that uh you know it has been four lengthy years between conversations uh it is ridiculous and uh but we're making up for it god damn it so i'm very happy to have you back very excited to hear what's been happening four years is a long time the last obviously three years were bonkers so um <laughs> you know i feel like it's going to be super interesting very excited man so thank you again for taking the time uh let's... absolutely like you said with uh with COVID, it feels like it was like just yesterday because three years just kind of disappeared on us all so Totally. It's uh it's kind of wild. Sitting down the other day. <laughs> right? Seriously, man. It's like we were trying to remember the year. We were like we had to look for it today to figure out what year it was. So uh you know, we're yeah. gonna actually kick off. We have a fantastic lineup of beers tonight that uh we're all excited about. The first beer is something that you've uh at the time of the previous recording you hadn't done before. Tell us how we're setting this bad boy off tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh we're gonna crack ridges. If you guys oh. got that can right there. Oh, we sure got the metallic do. label on that bad boy. Ooh, look Very at flashy, it. Flashy. It's a good looking label. Um, yes. Sexy. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were Rouge River House of Artisan Ales, and that's still actually on the building yeah, as a sign. Awesome. Uh, we definitely stole that from, you know, some other breweries you might imagine that uh, have that motto, but. It was kind of what we did. We focused on ales like exclusively for, you know, the per first four years, four or five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had to, I had to begrudgingly <laughs> make lager for the people. 
Okay. Um, I, are you a lager guy typically? No, no, no. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting converted. I'm getting converted slowly. Um, I used to, I used to get really offended by the term that loggers were brewers' beers, and I was like, well, I'm not a brewer because <laughs> it's not my thing. <laughs> call me a, you know, call me a janitor then, because I'm, I'm no brewer. But uh, yeah, no, I mean. It's been talked about for a while, and I, I think there's some discussion, you know, out there of like, like th- this year's the year of the logger, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of never quite exactly. <laughs> it's never quite, it's never quite come, but um, I, I think it's definitely still like, at this point, you kind of need to do something in this category, and you need to make it. You know, obviously, if I'm going to make something, I like I said, I was not particularly a logger fan, a logger drinker. Um, like pale ale was my lager basically. <laughs> so I was like, that's fair. Know, if we're, but I was like with, with anything that we do or I do, you know, personally or for the business, it's like, if I'm going to do something, it's going to be the best possible thing that it could be. Um, so there, there's definitely been a journey of, you know, just re, you know, reworking the recipe, tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Um, and so, yeah, so we've been making this for about two years now. Okay. I want to say, um and so yeah this is kind of where it is today um you guys taste it yet no we're waiting for the cheers virtual cheers cheers. is that is this this is the haziest lager i've ever seen is that uh yeah i was i was gonna say that too um yeah we kind of like package it hell yeah a little bit like unfiltered and then depends if you like shake it up or not shake it up if it moves a lot before you pour it but um, mine's like more clear. Yes, definitely more clear there. That's like mm-hmm. a, I might have a different batch than you. Yeah, this is the newer batch, but uh, yeah, the can tends to settle a little bit. So it's like if you pour the, if you leave the last little bit in the can, it's not as hazy. But uh, uh, let's just say we don't have a filter. <laughs> yes, which makes right. sense. We don't. Have, we, we, yeah, so it's the it's there is some sediment in the bottom of the cans. So. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I've never I've never seen that before. What what? So that is just from. Like the unfiltered side of the the process in a lager. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's just kind of I don't know. Our beers just want to be hazy. I think that's just yeah. Nature. <laughs> <laughs> they've that seen, the, they've seen the beers that have come out for the past you know six and a half years, and they're just like, I want to be like them. <laughs> um, so we have to struggle not to make everything hazy. But hey, um, man. yeah, we we don't have an actual filter, so we kind of. Um, we filter with finings basically. So that just drops stuff out, but it's not always like a perfect situation. It's a little bit, you know, touch and it. go. Yeah, man. No, look, it, it tastes, it's, it's like, it's almost, it's strange in that. Obviously, I mean, these were shipped. So, you know, that's probably why I know I carried them downstairs and I probably shook it up more than I intended to, but it, it's like it tripping me out because it tastes like a Pilsner, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like one. It's yeah. got the nose of it. Fills up. <laughs> the haze. It's got that big bready nose. hundred percent. It's nice and crisp. 100%. Um, so this is a just a clear. This is a German style pills, no? Um, do you know 100%. the what? What hops did you? Was this like Saz? Something like that. We uh, we were on Saz for quite some time. That was the hop, and then we we just switched to like Hollertau Middle Fruit. It's kind okay. of our new 
standard hop Top. for for this beer for now. That's kind of our our big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we did go through a sauce phase, I would say. We were in a big sauce phase. <laughs> but uh, for now, this is where it's at. So I don't know if you want to hear about the recipe like a little bit. Oh, I'd love to. Um, yeah, is yeah. that what we talk about on this on this show? Yes. Well, let's we get nerdy <laughs> on this, bro. Go go as deep all as right, you like. All right. Um, yeah. So we, it's kind of fun, actually. We've if you try this beer, uh, and this is why you should be savvy on Instagram because that's where we spill all the juicy secrets. But um, a lot of our customers they don't necessarily follow that. They're just like, oh, bridges, and they don't realize we're constantly tweaking <laughs> a million things behind the. <laughs> behind the recipe but um we've uh we've i've had like for me like lager is a simplistic kind of thing you know what i mean it's not it's hard to reinvent the wheel you know which is kind of why i was not driven towards them it's like there is a perfect kind of lager profile and obviously there's a lot of subjectivity around what exactly that might be and you know that that is a point you know what's the yeast profile what's the sulfur what's the you know how much maltiness how much hoppiness that's you know that's but to me and my well, before i kind of got into making it i was like it's all kind of the same shit you know like come on but you know as you get into it of course it's like you know the more nuanced you want to get into anything it's like obviously there's differences with every tweak you kind of make so of course yeah. um i i guess one of the one of the focuses has been just like different base malts um and because this style, you know, as we know, it, it's it's got some hops, hop to it. There's no dry hop in this beer. Um, okay. It's all just like kettle, kettle hopping. Um, pretty standard, like 40 IBU, three editions. There's a 60 minute, a 15, a one minute. That's kind of it. Um, so it, it is kind of a yeast and malt focused beer, which, uh, you know, is not, has not. I mean, yeast is always part of hazy IPAs, which has been my focus for quite some time. But mm-hmm. um, you know, but the malt does have a really big impact, as opposed to like a hazy IPA, where it's it's important, but it's not gonna make or break the beer necessarily. You know, depending yeah. on what you do. So we've probably gone through, I want to say like ten or twelve different base malts on this beer um, over the past like two years, <laughs> um, which is kind of how I have fun with it. <laughs> That's how I keep myself That's entertained. The, I guess it makes sense. Though. The the different base malts are the hops of the lager world. That's where you can really play and like switch things up. Yeah, and... exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. So it's then different, um, you know, do, doing some Canadian stuff. We've done uh, no no English stuff, but there's a lot of German options out there. There's some Czech options, um, some French options. There's Belgian options. Not that we've done any like Belgian stuff, but. Um, there, there is a lot of options out there, so we've just, I've just, that's how I've kept myself entertained, is uh, <laughs> just kind of testing, testing different stuff. But um, I will say, long story short-ish, um, this is one of my favorite malts for Pilsner um, that we've come across, and it is the Weyermann Floor Malted Bohemian Pilsner Malt. Um, it's Ooh. kind of been. Are I think another one. king of malt. It's it's definitely not cheapest. It's probably one of the more expensive, most expensive. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of that malt, or I can talk about it a little bit. Is that um, the red red overalls one? Yeah, Vireman. They got the uh, yeah. They're like the the white and red bag. It's pretty iconic. If you see it, you know, if you visit breweries. It's the yeah, it's yeah, the white yeah. and red bag. <clears throat> you know, 
Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a floor malted malt. So they actually like do it in a traditional style on a concrete floor. They got rakes, they got dudes in boots that presumably they, they clean and stepping over the malt and raking it to turn it by hand as opposed to doing it by machine. Um, Amazing. So it's definitely like a romantic story. It's like how they used to make malt back in the day. They didn't have these big mechanical turners to like dry the malt with, you know, these, these big turbines. It was just like a dude with a rake just walking around. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I always wondered what the floor malt, I feel like, I've ne- I don't know if we've ever really gone deep into what that meant. So it's literally what a concrete floor, a, co- a wooden floor where it's heated and someone's manually mm-hmm. doing it, like it's a sauna in there or something. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a sauna. Um, and I can't, I, you know, full disclosure, I've never been to a floor melting facility, but you see pictures of like, like I said, like a dude with a rake. Um, but yeah, so like in the malting process, when you're making the barley, like making malt, you have your barley malt, you harvest it. It's just a raw barley. You can't use that in brewing directly. It needs to be processed or like malted to make it usable. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so you want to have like a 12 hour brew day, which most people don't, you know, they want it to be a little faster. So that malting process, they germinate the grain and then there's a drying process. Um, and that, that's typically what they call like a, like a kilning or like the drying step. So it gets sprouted, right. And that, that converts some of the starches inside the, the malt into more like fermentable, like kind of what we know is like maltose sugars, which are usable in a brewing mm. process, like basically just getting it ready for the brewing process. And so, there is a drying process where it gets moist to germinate the grain and then they want to dry that out. Um, and so typically it's done with, you know, big fans or modern in a modern sense, big, you know, big fans commercially just blowing hot air through. And then the, the grain is agitated to let the air kind of pass through. Um, so instead of these big like fans and all this kind of stuff, it's basically, like I said, they, they put it on a concrete floor um, and instead of mechanically turning it, they just rake it. So they have a guy with a rake and they just go over it every, you know, every so often. And I don't know why it tastes so different, but it definitely does. Um, and to me, it just adds like a level of like breadiness and like richness. It's just mm. like that yeah. freshly baked bread, that bread dough kind of character just kind of screams out of it. Um, so it's, it's certainly, you know, especially all the things we've tried. Um, it, it's one of the more expressive malts and expressive in the way that I like expressive. Um, and there's definitely a bunch that are more neutral. So don't necessarily express as much flavor or breadiness. They, they're more, you know, some of the Canadian stuff we've tried um, is fine, but it's it's just not necessarily expressing that like big doughy bready kind of character. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It definitely does money, but yeah, it, it the, definitely does yeah, have sorry. that big, uh, that, that, that big bready flavor to it. Um, and I'm getting, uh, like quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of sweetness coming off of it too. Like a, uh, like a honey sweetness, so, uh, like sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I guess. Absolutely. That was is that a characteristic of that particular malt, or is that just sort of a result of the way you do it? Yeah, no, I, I think I mean it's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be the big four, you know, water, malt, hops, yeast, and in, in some in some degree, of course, like everything's adding a little piece. Mm. Um, but certainly, like the honey kind of sweetness, that's gonna that's gonna be a malt, you know, that's gonna be a malt yeah. characteristic. 
Gotcha. But uh, that's yeah. a cool. Yeah, that's a cool I story know. about the malting, malting process, maybe. though. I never would have figured that floor malted was literally <laughs> meant that literally. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's literally a guy with a rake just turning it over because yeah. it gets kind of more damp on the bottom, right? So whatever's not mm-hmm. exposed to the air, so they're just turning it by hand to kind of just mix it up. That's wild. And like I said, I don't know what the science is behind that, but. It I guess good. it's it's probably like centuries old techniques and stuff that they figured out, you know, a hot minute ago, and it just maybe it's just stuck with the tradition. They figure something out, and it's great though. It's it is cool to see you guys do lager. So how has this been um, received by the audience who are you know primed for the for the haze and the sours and all of that? <laughs> how did uh, how did it go? <clears throat> uh, you know what? It's been uh, it, it immediately like I was pretty reluctant. Uh, to do it, but um, my uh, sales rep slash partner uh, Dane, he um, started a couple years ago, and he's a little more of a logger guy, um, which I wish I would have known before I hired him. Just kidding. <laughs> no, <he's great>. um, <laughs> oh, Dane! No, he, li- he likes his he shout likes his Dane. loggers, but um, yeah, shout out Dane. Good dude. Um, but but yeah, he's uh, he was like, you know, we should have something like this, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, it's a good idea. Um, and then we had these, we ordered these like half liter steins, um, to serve them in the tap room. They're like, if we're going to go German, let's just, let's just go to the end game here. So we got these half liter steins to serve the, the Pilsner in. That's and, uh, when we started making it, it was pretty obvious who was drinking that beer and who was drinking mm. everything else. Mm. And, uh, it was pretty apparent that like a lot of people wanted Pilsner for the tap room at huh. least like, People wanted something 5%, you know, um, filtered or, you know, with a more or less, less hazy appearance. And, and so it's, it's definitely been like a, a new staple ever since we launched in the tap room. Um, I, I don't think, I wouldn't say we're like known for loggers at this point. <laughs> um, we have won some awards for like the ridges uh, for this one. I think we won something in the Ontario Bring Awards or I, I forget, but it's, it's gotten, it's gotten some. It's gotten some, you know, praise or whatever, but uh, I, I wouldn't say Rouge River is known as like the 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 logger house. But like I said, with anything, I'm like, I'm going to make it. It's going to be the best thing I can figure out how to make. Um, and so this is this is where we're at. But it's been received well. But it it is like a big draft beer. Like if you if you right. come to our tap room, like you'll see a lot of people with steins or twelve ounces, like you know, just just trying this and. Uh, you know, part of the bigger discussion is like people that want to go to craft breweries, but maybe they're not, uh, you know, a haze lord or you know, haze <laughs> prince or whatever. They're just, you know, they're just like want to come have a beer, and so right. I think that's like definitely something we had to kind of consider is like the guy that just wants a beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he doesn't care about Rawaka and Nectaron and whatnot. <laughs> you know, and, and what is he going to drink? And it's right. you know, it's not necessarily. You know, there's been times where we had like six ipas and like four sours on tap and people come in and they're just like i don't know what to do with this you know so (laughs) yeah it definitely rounds it out more and like we were saying earlier like the that you guys are always in the conversation uh rightly so with regard to like you know the the hype for lack of a better word which is typically attached to any brewery who does haze very well and i don't know i think fortunately because that's how i discovered lagers in a new way was through um, you know, Hayes hype breweries 
who just added a lager to their lineup and it rounds out the portfolio because it's almost like you could drink if you if you're having a, a night there a session or whatever you can either break it up with a lager i like to start with one and then move on just like get the palate warmed mm-hmm. up a little bit before punching it in the face with some mm-hmm. hops and stuff so like I, th- I think it just makes complete sense when i saw it i'm like oh yeah of course like it makes sense like it's it's definitely the the something that you guys yeah that perfect for the for the um portfolio and like sounds like the tap room but for the cans are they like i know you're destroying like uh durand in uh, hamilton where i'm at now i get your stuff all the time which is awesome um i've definitely yep, seen this yep, beer yep. there are they like other indie bottle shops uh buying up the the lager or is it moving pretty well out of the tap room in the can side of things like what's the the vibe on that i i, I would say it's like uh it's mainly draft like for us it's just like getting kegs out there um, and we're not trying to push kegs. Like we're not, we're, you know, with our kind of brew house setup and our capacity, we're not trying to like, you're not going to find it on tap everywhere in Toronto just cause we're not, that's not really our intention. Um, it's not really kind of what we're after. Um, so it, it really is like mainly like our tap room. And then there's like a few bars we work with that we keep it on tap there all the time. Gotcha. Um, but it, it's, it's not really, yeah, it's like a, <clears throat> the cans are always available, but I definitely find a lot of our like bottle shop customers, it's, it's gotta be a new, it's gotta be a new brand. You know, they it's want to be a new lager of some kind. Yeah. Oh, even for lagers, um, eh? Like yeah. that, that like untapped oh, yeah. sort of vibe uh, stays even through the Krispies. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least for us, like at least from, from my experience, you know, interesting. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, bro, I wouldn't have picked that because, like, I'm just thinking of like, I obviously understand the the ticker culture, and it has its pros and cons, obviously, um, for the audio, for the drinkers, and for the breweries. But f- I, I just mm. wouldn't have picked that. That would have applied to lagers. I mean, like, because I feel I'm just trying to think of the lagers that I'm drinking. Like, I feel like I don't really care as much like it'd be cool if there was like four different ones that rotated around or six different ones that rotated year year round or something like that that would scratch that itch but i don't really care because i'm not super if i want a lager i want a lager i don't really care so much about like is it new like i'm more interested in the hops for that so that's that's fascinating that it still applies to to that side of things huh so you're running down. I, I think that's kind of why I think that's kind of why like the craft logger, in my opinion, a little bit is like it's neither here nor there. So mm. it's 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 not as necessarily consistent and cheap as a you know macro, and it's not necessarily as exciting and innovative as you know some of the other styles, you know, IPAs, stouts, you know, sours, whatever like that. So it's kind of like if you're gonna go to an independent bottle shop, like are you gonna be seeking out new loggers? Like probably, probably not. Um, you know, if you are a loggerhead, you're probably not going to craft beer, you know, bottle shops necessarily, unless you know, like you said, you're you're going to do a tasting and and you know, some, you know, you're just in the mood to kind of have something to start or something. So it's yeah, I don't know. I think D- it's still in, in a bit of a weird place. Yeah, interesting. Even Durant, just like of a point of just observation, like I was, I go there because it's pretty close to me, so I'm there pretty regularly. I love their coffee as well, and they mm. their fridge is cleaned out of lagers. And I was talking to the staff, and they're like, oh yeah, the lagers are flying out right now, and all the hops are just mm. full. So I thought that was an interesting mm. observation. That that uh, and Chris, the, the owner, was telling me that the um, 
he's been meaning to order from a bit, so he has let it sit a little while, but like they're moving pretty quick. And I, maybe it's the the time of year or something like that, that, you know, it's getting warm technically. It's officially summer as of yesterday. So like it's, uh, you know, a maybe just the time of year that people aren't as, or maybe not aren't for other things, but just more inclined to be like, you know what, let me just get six different lagers from here. Cause you know, they've got a pretty, they've got a pretty sick range. So I'm going to keep, I don't know. That's kind of, that's very, very interesting to me. The fact that people are super interested in new ones all the time. I saw just, I checked on untapped there and I saw that you did a Ridges light as well. Yes. Like a three, this is 5% by the way. I don't think we said that. Uh, And it was like three or three, five or something like that. Is that correct? Like American light lager type of style or something or what yeah was it was like 4.4.0 um okay yeah ridges light that was uh great beer sold like absolute shit though but uh really? <laughs> it, was, it was a good okay beer. yeah 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 so we basically <laughs> did ridges like still like floor malted we went like you know no adjunct on that one um so went all barley malt and just brewed it to a, a lower strength and it was good, but like maybe one of the worst selling beers we've ever, not ever done, but it's probably like top five worst selling. And what? I don't know why. <laughs> I was about to say, what do you attribute that to? <laughs> do you think that maybe people just weren't ready? They Like they weren't ready for that from the brand? Like Rouge River are so known for Haze that like the last thing they might have, like this, I can see why, but then they go light lager. That's a whole different audience. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, it was kind of how we packaged it. So we went a little can heavy as opposed to keg heavy, and it's just gotcha. like I'm saying, kind of for 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 ridges. It's a draft beer, like primarily. It's yeah. like I want something five ish because I'm driving, or you know, I got stuff to do tomorrow morning, whatever the case is, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it should have been a primarily keg heavy beer, but I, mm. I think I was short on kegs at the time, so I kind of was forced to to go kind of can heavy and then uh you can't turn back the price yeah i guess you could do (laughs) well i guess it's a good lesson it's not like the beer would have gone (laughs) off even if it sold i mean i'm sure they got a pretty decent shelf life you know i don't know what that Mm -hmm. would be six months or something probably for it to still be tasting pretty damn good so it's like Mm -hmm. could have been worse I guess all things considered. Yeah, I i think there's definitely like i i still have a lot of questions about like craft loggers like i said like i don't they're definitely big in our tap room, but like, I, I just, I'm still curious about how customers really see them. Like the ones that really like those types of beers, like how uh-huh. they feel about those kinds of beers and like what they want. You know, I, I, of course, like most great brewers, I just do whatever I want. And then, you know, people are forced to buy it. That's the best um, way. But yeah. <laughs> do you uh, seriously, exactly. seriously though? Like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Nate, but lagers, if I, I probably, I'm pretty serious. Like, probably my favorite style now and they weren't always i was always in i, was, I lost my shit over your stuff when i first tried it because it was so oh my god this is what i used to i go to the states for but it's here in our own backyard type mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. like the lagers have changed the way i look at beer a lot now like i have this like i fucking love them like the, like it, it makes mm. me aggressive how much i like them um <laughs> and it's i don't know what why do you I like get, about them though I love that they're they're like a different. You have more, and you know, it's just not about the more. I have like, one. No, yeah. not for me. Some people, yeah, because I, I can. I'd be happy to drink a nice hazy pale ale at five percent. That doesn't really. It's not about the ABV. I like them sitting four point five mm. to five. Um, I like the, the different 
like it's completely different drinking experience to a um it is to to a hazy ipa in the sense of um the 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 complexities the flavors completely different like there's this sort of like multi sweetness that's com- that's not tropical at all there's no like fruit which is the other, the type of sweetness that's in the IPAs even west coast is still even if it's more mm. resinous or piney it's still a fruity sweetness where it's like completely just this you know grassy bitterness and it like when they're done well like the breweries are doing well and we're fortunate in ontario that there's a number of them that do them really well they're like they're just like it just feels like a treat like there's nothing better to me the greatest thing on earth is um uh, a luca tap i think it's the coolest thing in the world like i was at verst uh two nights ago i hadn't been to verst in years and mm. i had time for one beer and i chose the P- pilsner Roquel. I could have had like that third mm. moon that had a bunch of other really cool shit, but I chose the Pilsner Raquel because I just wanted to have it on draft because I couldn't tell you if I've even ever had it, had it on draft. Um, it's just like, I don't know. There's something that, that just about the, the, the whole thing that's just, fa- it's more like fascinating because kind of like you, I feel like I don't have a massive understanding of it. I'm learning along the way because most of the breweries we talk to aren't sort of like hyper you know fucking lager nerds and stuff so i you know picking up like you just taught us about the, the floor malting like i figured it was actually done on the floor but i didn't know there was just a guy in overalls raking it like that is cool to me and like i don't know it's just become like a different type of a, a, a passion and like it's my first as soon as i go into any place whether it's a beer bar or a brewery i'm very first thing i'm like if i see blondale i'm like oh, fuck I want to see a Pilsner. I want to see a Lager. Doesn't matter what style. Mm-hmm. I preferably Czech is my favorite thing, but German, hell yeah, let's go. Whether it's Hellas or German Pils or whatever, um, I feel like it's just like a it's a way to sort of like get an idea of what the brewery can do. You know, if they can do Killer Haze, fuck yeah. But if they, I, I, what can you do on the Lager side? I think it's just a different skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I find that most of the best breweries that I love for their other stuff also happen to mostly be able to do pretty uh, exceptional Lagers. So it's just, I don't know if Nate, you could shed any additional light on that. I'm just going to plug my laptop in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it's along the similar line for me. It's like you're saying, it's just a completely different experience. Um, well, like, whereas I, like, I love nerding out on hops and, uh, and the different kind of flavors that the, like that those can produce. Um, it's, uh, like, it's much more subtle in, uh, like in loggers and like, and I even enjoy like the variation in like in different logger styles. Exactly. Like she was just saying, like, you know, if we're talking, like, if we're talking check pills, something like something extremely crisp and uh, like, and something that's got like maybe like a bit of peppery spice note to it, um, or the, the like, or something more in the German side where we're getting some, like getting something more bready, a bit of subtle sweetness, or maybe something that's coming up with a bit uh, like a bit heavier body in a Hellas or something uh, like or something like that. Just it just satisfies uh, like it, it just satisfies a different thirst is what yes. uh, uh, like is is kind of how it goes. And I even uh, love how the lager like kind of range of styles differs uh, like differs through the seasons um mm. le- le- like how you might end up having a mybach uh, like in the spring like quite strong on that like on that spectrum a little more uh, like a little more boozy or 
personally, I especially love the fall styles. Like when we start getting into uh, like uh, Vienna, like uh, Vienna loggers and uh, the, and fest beers and uh, like and shit like that. Uh, like that's mm-hmm. the, the, that's money zone for me. But uh, yeah, I think it mm-hmm. just uh, it, it just satisfies a different thirst is all. Yeah. And it's like, it takes you like on a ride. Like I always have, I would never start on any other style but a lager every single time. It doesn't matter which style, but I feel like I can't, it doesn't feel like a real drinking session if I'm not starting on a crispy. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. It's like, you know, last time we really spoke, it was not that for me at all. Like I, I don't even remember how I used mm. to drink back then. Now it's, it's something that, you know, I could, you know, we're both very passionate about. So that's why we're, we're both excited that you guys are doing lagers now that we're starting off with this and you know i should have said more loggers i had hey. i had a couple more uh kicking around but uh ah so good you were extremely you got, generous you get back in the haze mode yeah oh speaking of that i feel like we've uh this was like a really good intro to kind of really get deeper into the the lager side how do you feel about getting mm-hmm. into jordan's money zone right now let's get into the real stuff here <laughs> <laughs> not that that wasn't real that was very real that, that was, was very real. real but this is this is what this is what gets jordan out of bed every day it might be might be more yeah this is this is what i dream about there we go so i love it dedicated passionate which uh we're pointed oh, but i will direction. say actually i wanted i wanted to mention if you don't mind like we, course, we actually do a lot of seasonal loggers like like nathan was talking about good um, like we do like a, we've done viennas for the fall we do like um a dark lager for the winter. We do like a dry hop pilsner for the spring. Nice. Um, we have a Mexican lager coming. So like a corn, you know, kind nice. of corn lager coming for the, um, for the summer. So we definitely do the seasonal lager thing. And I've, I've gotten a kick out of, you know, trying to, trying to dial like a lager recipe in for the season. Um, and just kind of doing new lagers as well. So ridges is kind of, we always keep that around more or less. Um, and then, yeah, we do like seasonal lagers. So we are like, you know, artisanal ales and in brackets, loggers, you know. <laughs> I love it. Hey man, you're exploring. It's a whole new journey for you. I like I'm actually excited it's, for it's, you to learn and get into it and like just as a drinker, forget the brewing side. Like just to sort of really discover it a bit more and fall in love with it, because that's what will change the probably the maybe even the direction of things that you do. I don't I don't know like how what it just probably just takes time. You'll just, you know something will happen it'll just it'll just probably click obviously you're on the way there it was yeah i'm happy for you there's there's an art to everything right and like you know like i said like i I didn't necessarily appreciate the art of it as much but you get into anything you know you can talk about making chicken soup or you can talk about you know anything you know there's going to be nuances and there's going to be you know there's going to be an art behind it and perfection so 100 percent. now i gotta deal with that yeah well. exactly so well fun. you know what it's a process don't put any pressure on yourself but we can put pressure on the log on the uh, on the haze goddammit, because it can withstand it oh should i do mm. is it too is it too early to say unlike the submarine too early too soon <laughs> Oof. Ooh, too soon sorry <laughs> thought it was there that's fucked up okay what are we doing <laughs> uh okay you guys need beer? Um, yes. What are we doing? A little rouge. We should do a little rouge. It's actually not haze. That might, it was a bit of a tease, but we should try that one. I like it. You're really keeping people waiting. You're like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So this was definitely yeah, this not around good. in 2019. Um, no. 
Here we go. Come on. There she goes. So would you consider this an American IPA, a West Coast IPA? What would you sort of, what bucket would you put this one in? I'd call this like a classic American pale ale. American pale ale. This is okay. like down the middle. Uh, we don't necessarily Oof. call it West Coast. Um, there is a difference. It's not, it's not. Yeah. Like we, we've been messing around with the West Coast idea um, a little bit with some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say this is like straight down the middle, like American style pale ale a la like Sierra Nevada. Gotcha. Things of that nature. Um, except we right. had to mix it up. So we threw in, we threw a German hop in there just to kind of, you know. Why not? Just to confuse people and make it a little bit different. Um, the, so yeah, so this the, is, the German hop, it's called Tango, right? The, the hop? Tango. Yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know if you guys have heard of that hop I before. have, but I didn't know it was German. Yeah, it's, it's basically I asked my hop guy, I'm like, what do you got that's new? You huh. know, hit me with, hit me with hit the me latest with the and greatest. All right. Yeah, just whatever you got. And uh, yeah, he threw Tango at me and I was like, all right, like, let me try it out. Um, so we basically just kind of a lighter dry hop on this mm-hmm. one. Like it's not a crazy, what we might say, a cold side addition. Um, so it's fermented with different yeast than our house stuff, I would say. Okay. Um, so we, we in general run three yeast strains. So one for ridges. So we actually make lagers like with lager yeast. Um, so we keep that around and then we kind of not really ish keep like uh, like a California ale type strains, like a classic, you know, West Coasty California strain. Uh, and then we run another strain um, called Cosmic Punch. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Cosmic Punch, mm. um, but we can talk yeah, about that a little that, bit yeah. later. Yeah. Um, but that's basically, and we've got through many strains throughout the years but uh we run cosmic punch as our house strain like that's our main strain okay and this I is, think not... is kind of a little bit unique for us um but yeah so we kind of keep around this this is a different yeast than like our hazies so just to gotcha. get that out of the way gotcha, uh, gotcha. this is a more classic like yes most uh... breweries use this kind of thing <laughs> yeah no that makes complete sense and looking at this buddy this looks totally american ipa and it smells amazing yeah cheers guys yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Oh, yeah. Wicked. By the way, the other thing, just to, mm-hmm. just for clarification as well, the other style aside from lagers that Nate and I have fallen in love with over the past few years is West Coast IPAs, and this is in that bucket. Like, it's like it's like the whole full circle. You go, you start on the color wheel, go through the you know ambers and fucking you know nut browns and porters and stouts, and you go into the Belgians and then all that type, you know, all the sours and blah blah blah, and then um, the the hype stuff come, and then you get obsessed with the hype stuff, and then you kind of just come back around. That's where I think what happened. That's where the lagers came back in, and then now very uh, passionate about all things West Coast and American IPAs as well. So this is extremely welcome. Uh, for a, yeah. once again, I think it's like just breaks up the haze and almost makes you appreciate the haze more. That would probably be the best way to to put it. So I'm very happy <laughs> to see that you did this style. I didn't realize this what it was uh, prior to talking about it. So that's sick, man. You thought it was going to be hazy, I bet. Oh, of course it did. Yeah, you didn't I just was coming. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Ill prepared I was, but now, goddamn, this is great. So this <laughs> <laughs> this German tango hop is um very bright, aromatic. Um. Mm. Getting a little bit of citrus mm-hmm. in there, um, light bitterness on the nose. Yeah, on the, uh, like on the nose. I'm uh, like I'm getting dank and, uh, and berries, and I like and I love um, 
I, I love some dank. We were talking about West Coast IPAs just now. And of course, there's a lot of um, commonalities in flavor profile between, like, between West Coast IPAs and uh, like in classic APAs. And with some of those things coming out of here, especially uh, like especially the bit of dank I'm getting on uh, like on the nose, that's already starting on a good note for me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so this was... Can um, you talk about... Um, can you talk about uh, like tango and kind of what that delivers from a the, the, like from a hop flavor perspective, uh, like or maybe from an aromatics perspective as well? For sure, yeah. So I I will say <clears throat> like typically the way the way I think about things um, is like whirlpool, so kind of hot side. So it goes in the kettle when we're making the beer, uh, and then what gets dry hopped is is a whole other kind of situation. So. <laughs> It, there's not, and, and there, you know, every brewer, you know, ask ask a hundred breweries, you'll get a hundred different concepts or or ideas. But um, pretty much like hot side stuff, whirlpool is not necessarily as important to me. Um, it's 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 a little bit. It, it, it tends to be more generic depending on which hop you use. But there's a okay. lot of stuff that kind of ends up falling like adds adds a similar like flavor aroma contribution. Oh, it's got rye. So, she had so, the so typically for us, yeah, that's mm. a secret. Actually, you're not supposed to talk about the rye. Okay, um, it was untapped. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about the rye. No, no one wants to hear about the rye. But um, <laughs> um, no, anyway. So there was Simcoe in the Whirlpool, but we don't really count that as like the main thing. Um, we typically like focus on like a heavier dry hop, so that ends up being a little more important. Um, so yes, I basically I'm just saying there is Simcoe, but. Really, you're getting most of the tango in there. Um, to me, like it, it presents like if you if I didn't say it was German, I don't think like you know I would have known like if I wasn't told. Yeah, it, it presents like a little bit more like American profile to me. Like it's mm-hmm. got a very to me it's very like very orange. Like it's got a lot of orange peel. Um, I get a little like orange tic tac kind of note from it. Um, I love it. Little piney. Like a little piney, like mm-hmm. that little like pine sap, that kind of orange peel. Um, I like, mm. like I said, it, it doesn't present as like unique necessarily or German or you would like for me, like I'm saying, I, you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think, but it doesn't present as a German hop at all. To me, it tastes classic American, um, like 100%. very like citrus pine, like kind of down the middle for me. Um, so I think in this particular style, it works perfectly. Like it, it's it's not necessarily cascade or something you might expect, but it basically delivers a pretty similar profile. Um, so I'm 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 very happy with how this turned out because I I do love Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you know that's that's just such a classic beer. You know, oh, yeah. having gone to Sierra both Sierra Nevadas, you know, um, you know, the West Coast version and the North Carolina thing, like it's just such a such a such an important spot. And the you know that Pale Ale is just a beer. You know when it's fresh and it's you know, you could, it's a beer I could drink, you know, forever, you know? And so this, this is yeah. a little bit of my homage, homage to, to that beer. Cause that's just such a classic beer. And we've never, um, we've never done a, a pale ale like this, which is crazy. Like mm-hmm. we're almost seven years in, I've never done a, um, you know, California ale, pale ale, but mm. you know, it makes me want to make more of these for sure. <laughs> good. What's the yeah. response been that's, as well? That's good. Sorry. That's great. And like, like any time that you're uh, like that you're thinking to model off of uh, Sierra Sierra Nevada Pale, 
like, I mean, as I, like, as anyone who's listening knows that's a, like, that's such a classic beer and there are so many good beers that we wouldn't have if not for Sierra Nevada pale. And, Thanks. uh, I think I, I think this is a, like I think this is a good uh, like a very very good in fact Rouge River um, rendition of it and if this is inspiring you to make more like this I'm here for it. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I, I think too like um, as like a beer nerd like a longtime beer nerd brewer um, like for Canadians I I don't think they appreciate the legacy of Sierra Nevada like I think you mm. talk to the average tap room person for for us. You ask them about Sierra Nevada, they're like, they've never heard of it. But I think in like, you know, for big uh, craft beer fans or, or drinkers, um, especially those who have traveled to the U.S. at all, <laughs> um, you know, seeking craft beer or whatever, like Sierra Nevada, like has to be a part of that conversation. So I think, uh, you know, the, the people need to know. I think Sierra Nevada might be available here, but it's, it's it doesn't, it is. I don't think it sells. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think it's doing very well, you know, <laughs> per se. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's not, yeah. but I, it just doesn't hold the same kind of, uh, you know, importance as it does in the States. Uh, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, we, we try to bring that up and it, it is such a classic beer that it's like, you got to show some love and teach the people ideally. It's important, particularly the crowd that you have. I think the fact that you're doing lagers and then now this type of stuff it opens up their mind as well to other things. And I think it's like, I just think it's important that the haze is obviously like money and it's never going anywhere and we're all into it heavily. But I think it's just cool to diversify a touch. And it's just like some people who haven't, like we always talk about this, but think about it. Like all of us have been into beer for a long time. So we've done the journey. But people who got into beer in the last few years might not know anything Mm -hmm. except Mm -hmm. slow pours, haze, smoothie sours, pastry stouts. Like a, a brewery told me one time, people have said to, why isn't it like, why doesn't it look like a smoothie? I'm like, oh, because it's not a smoothie sour. There are other sours. And they were mind blown that that's not what a sour beer was because that's all they knew. So I feel like this is like a service, like a necessary service to kind of like just, hey man, this is like modeled after the beer that inspired all of your favorite breweries. So it's, uh, I think it's great, man. And it shows that you're able, I, I can't, I think it's even cooler to see because you can, you know, obviously you know what you're doing when it's hazy, but it's cool to see you flex the muscle and be able to do something different and pull out different flavor profiles and to show that you can do this just as well as you can the other stuff. So it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I think exactly like I was thinking exactly what you were saying while you were saying it, but <laughs> like I ended up at hazy's through my journey Right. You know what I mean? Like that was like, that was like the ultimate to me, like the ultimate in flavor and uniqueness and expressiveness and like yes. craftsmanship um, at that time, at that time. Right. But like you said, you got to read that. Well, not everyone has done that journey <laughs> that I've been through. You know what I mean? Tasting all these different styles, traveling, whatever. And I ended up on hazy, but like not a lot of people are necessarily there. Um and like you said, it, it can be a little bit of a cyclical journey where, you know, you, you get obsessed with the hazies and then, you know, you kind of like, well, how do I, br-, you know, you kind of go back to the beginning, not to the beginning, but you know what I mean? You kind of appreciate the whole spectrum. Um, so I think that is like an interesting thing to say. And, and a, like you said, a perspective to keep, especially as someone who, you know, there's still so many people as you know, that haven't, you know, aren't familiar with craft beer or they still don't you know, they don't know what it is or what it's about or the history of it or the different styles. And it, it could be quite overwhelming, um, which is something I forget. And I need to remind myself, like not everyone 
you know, <laughs> has been brewing for like 13 years and, you know, has been obsessed with craft beer for, for like so long. Right. So it's like, it's, it's like, I try to put myself in the shoes of like wine drinkers and, and spear drinkers. Like when I walk into a wine shop, like I love drinking wine, but like, you know, I just don't know how to look at a shelf and know that's good value. That's bad value. I've tried that. I've heard things like, I just don't have the, you know, I don't have the reference for it. So mm. as we say, like, you gotta, you gotta kind of look at it from the perspective of, of people that haven't been living, you know, in the industry and keep it open mind. So. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to, to look at it. Go for it, Nate. Oh, no, no. I was, um, and this was also just making me think as you were saying to, uh, to, to kind of put yourself in the mind, uh, like in that kind of mindset, um, this, uh, like this probably also, fi- uh, like, like fills, um, like it fills a bit of a hole for some, like for someone who's coming in and looking and just seeing a board full of hazy IPAs and one uh, like and wondering what to do with it. Um, I know for a lot of like for a lot of people who aren't into uh, like who aren't into uh, like haze just purely based like based on appearance. And to be able to you know, like have something like something that looks like this, if they're kind of fre- like if they're kind of fresh on the scene, is a little bit less intimidating, even just from an uh, like from an appearance perspective. And like e- even that is like can be enough to um, make people more comfortable with like with their order, at least their first beer. That like you know after they get past that one, they might uh, be able to get a bit more adventurous. But sometimes having something a little Comfortable for your first, uh, like for your first taste, uh, really means something. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I also Absolutely. feel. I feel like this is as you were sort of saying that, Nate. I was thinking that uh, I like it that we're all just talking and thinking about other shit. The be, you know, how everyone's like say, I don't like IPAs. This is what they're talking about. Like this is the style of beer that people are referring to because the people who say the craft beer is shit and that it all tastes the same and that it's all bitter that's what they think it is because they had one sip of Sierra Nevada 15 years ago and then they think it's all, you know, <laughs> terrible. So I feel, I, I, I kind of, this probably, I guess, more of a question than like a statement here, but I wonder if, Jordan, did when people try this, have you noticed like uh, any sort of general feedback of people like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Look at the orange peel and this bitterness. This is really cool as opposed in, in like, you know, juxtaposition with your tropical fruity, creamy stuff. Like, is there, has there been any general thing? Like, are people scared of this beer? Because while Nate is saying for some new people, being that it doesn't look, you know, like hazy IPAs look, that in and of itself can be weird because people expect beer to be clear. That's what they've known it for. So that visually helps. But this is also the same thing that they've been, I was going to say brainwashed, but conditioned to be scared of. <laughs> When there's nothing to be scared of, it's actually phenomenal, but perhaps it's phenomenal to us because of our context, because Sierra Nevada Mm -hmm. was important to you personally, and because we all got into West Coast IPAs back in the day, whether it's the local stuff like Mad Tom or, you know, any of the Great Lakes Mm -hmm. beers or whatever it might have been in Ontario and in Quebec, you know, Yakima from the Castor and stuff like that. Like, yeah, what's the general response from this beer? I know, like, in, in the time that you've been making it. Yeah. I, I would say like, this is, this is kind of a beer for our regulars 
that okay. like mm. it's it's the beer that they wanted but they were too afraid to ask for kind of <laughs> why do you think that we're afraid the, well like i don't take suggestions so maybe that's like the first <laughs> problem but uh they're know, happy that it's here they're happy like you know you get some comments they're just like I really like like this beer, hmm. um, and there are people that will come, you know, no matter what we have. But it, I would say it's just within the past three to four months we've started doing like West Coasty or like uh, California ale fermented slash like find um, you know clear IPAs and pale ales. So it's it's wild. Like I said, like this is the first pale ale we've done ever. Ever. That was fermented with a California ale and like not with wheat or oats or a combination or whatever. This is like, actually it's rye. So you kind of mentioned that you, you looked up the notes on that one. Sorry um, for Sorry about that. Which I don't, I don't think you would, I think a lot of maybe people will get freaked out about rye. And I think that's why we kind of I wouldn't say it. kept it secret, but um, people have like too many preconceived notions about rye. Mm. So I'd rather just not mention rye and be like, it's just a pale ale. Like, don't worry about it. Um, yeah. But it I is like 33% rye because yeah. I got to, I got to entertain myself. You know, that's very important to me is I need to get a kick out of, you know, <laughs> throwing some kind of curveball yeah. in the whole thing. So making like a rye <laughs> pale ale and not calling it a rye pale ale. Um, it's good. I, I, calling it a rye pale ale is like, that's, that's pointless. And people that's people have too many preconceived notions. Like I said, like once you yeah. say rye, people start thinking, it's going to be X or it's going to be Y or it's going to be Z. And it's like, you're as a brewer, like I know rye is not going to, people think, Oh, it's going to taste like rye bread or whatever. It's like, no rye bread tastes like caraway seed mm. and caraway seed is not anything to do with rye. It's like, it doesn't necessarily have a strong flavor. So once you say rye, like people are like, Oh, it's going to be, they, they think too much. So my, my idea was like, let's just Keep not even low. mention it really. And then like, be like, by the way, there's rye, you know, because like I said, I, I don't think you would detect like rye to me. No, rye adds like body and mouthfeel and like viscosity, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't add. You wouldn't say, oh, this is spicy. I mean, or, no, no, or no. you know, anything different than a standard pale ale. Um, so even if was it was spicy. Yeah, I feel that uh, even if it was spicy, though, like it's it's a like it probably would have been balanced out by the hops, like the fruity, mm-hmm. dank, Ooh. citrusy stuff. Like I don't think that the yeah, rye is strong it, enough. It, it, it would be, it would be for sure. But it's like, but it's one of those things, like exactly like you were saying, Jordan. Like the preconceived notion on that, and you can't, like you can really prime a lot of your flavor interpretations before you've even, ta- like before you've even taken your first step. And uh, like, and I think that definitely, I think you had the right call on this because if you had called it a called it a rye pale ale, I don't think anyone would be thinking Sierra Nevada when like when they were drinking it. Even uh, like even if you put that label on the exact same beer, just like just because of how conditioned uh, like people can be to like to prime their interpretations of flavors. A hundred percent, and the same thing. Like if I would have called it a wheat pale ale or an oat pale ale everyone would have a certain preconceived notion and um Mm -hmm. you know as as we all know or don't like whatever like you're so you're so um it it really affects your your perception whatever you're expecting to taste right so like that's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing especially with beer ratings and all that kind of stuff it's like there's so much expectation built into taste based on what you think you're about to taste right so 
yeah. that was just a little bit of a, like I said, a bit of a fun experiment to just keep it like very non-descriptive and be like, you know, and then if people learn after, so be it. But it's just kind of a fun, you know, it's how I get yeah. my kicks. Hey, man. <laughs> You got to do something for yourself in this too, right? The <laughs> yeah. so can people expect more along these lines, whether it's the American style or whether maybe it's that you know like slightly darker, maltier, um, ramped up dankness and and bitterness and pininess West Coast? Is that something that um, you you're probably going to be pumping out? I would say yes, um, like personally or like from, from my experience like some of the hazy pale ales to me it's it's a pretty tricky style um there's something about hazy pale ales to to be honest with you guys that's just like it's hard and i don't know if just you know it's it's my my brew house my water my process all, all that fun stuff but we we're, we're constantly like working on on trying to improve that kind of thing but mm. um Something about hazy pale ale is like a little bit tricky, and not that we're not doing more hazy pale ales. We got one coming in, in two weeks, so you know, look out for that one. Yeah. But um, something about a filtered pale ale like this, like, really hits nice for me, um, and it's something I could definitely see myself like reaching for and and desiring, and something especially great on tap. You know, you know, to send to to bars yeah. or have on tap at our place. Um, so I'm I'm really like I said, I, I think. Maybe like the little bit of the challenge is just like how to make it unique. Um, and this, this is a great beer, but it's just like, well, what is the, what is the signature on this? Because this is like, other than the tango hops, you know, I mentioned like using something maybe that you haven't seen before in a pale ale, um, you know, kind of, kind of make it your own in some way. And I feel like IPAs have been doing that so long that that necessarily is kind of in my style. Like it's just kind of, it's going to be different, I think, no matter what, just because I've been, I'm, I'm familiar with how to make that thing my own and what I'm looking for it, looking from for it. Um, so yeah, anyways, the, the short answer is yes. Well, I think, oh, yeah. I think we're going to do more of these. I, I like it. Um, I think, I think people will like it. I think it's, people need to kind of still, there's a little bit of a, you know, people need to learn that we can make these styles and yes. that, um, it's something that we yeah. do and it's like, it's it's I it's fairly different from maybe what we're known for, but um, you know, it's it's so drinkable, it's delicious. So, oh man, I'm nearly finished. This, this some... can <laughs> crushing. This. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, Nate, go. There, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some benefit to uh, like to some to some consumer education there to be like, hey, like you know, you you can get this uh, uh, like this great Sierra Nevada tasting pale ale like at rouge river and you know maybe like maybe you can expect some more from that um mm-hmm. yeah i think you're absolutely right about uh like about hazy pale ales and new england pale ales that uh, that, that sticks out with me because this is a thought that i've had a lot before uh, like, and for me why i like, like the thing that is generally off for me with uh like with new england pale ales is body because like, it can, because like, it can usually get the hop, fla- uh, like the hop flavors there. That's uh, like that. I usually find is not missing. What's missing for me is body. When when that starts to dip below the six percent mark, when we're like when we're then in the like five point five and uh, like and below, um, 
the body gets lighter the carbonate like the carbonation is making it, it like is making it come off a bit uh, like a bit harsher and some of the more bitter citric flavors uh, like get more accentuated when it starts to drop below that uh, like that abv by and large for me and it, like for some and it it's losing a bit more of the kind of like smooth uh, like smooth mouth feel that I, like that you typically look for from say like say a new england ipa around like the 6.5 percent mark that's what i that's where i usually find is missing in hazy pale ales that's what like that's at least what it is for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there's there's something about like the alcohol and the body and everything and it's just it tends to be a little bit unbalanced uh, like I said, mm-hmm. and, and I, I have tried some, some good pale ales, of course, like there's, there's always, yeah there's always examples out there that, you know, defy the expectations, but um, I, I've yeah. definitely just found a lot of complications in trying to perfect that kind of thing. And mm. like I said, we're not, we're not giving up on it and we're still, I got another one coming out soon. That's going to be amazing. But um, there, there is something that's like, you know, despite, despite my efforts, like knowing the things that you're talking about and the shortfalls, like trying to compensate, it's just, it, it, it is tricky. There's like, there's something else going on. And, and for, for me and for us is like an IPA is like, obviously that's a default. Like it, it just seems like that's just dialed in. Everything kind of seems to play together quite well. And then with the pale ales, it's just like, you need like something, you need, you need to adjust a few other factors to really make everything work hmm. together better. So yep. Yeah, interesting. It's always funny that the lighter beers are more work and just tougher to to really sort of dial in. It's uh, I guess you're mm-hmm. working with less mm-hmm. malt and and sort of a, a, a canvas that's less forgiving, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we've had uh, this has been really good, by the way, because I feel like we've gone like we've let the beers really dictate the conversation. Has been. Uh, not what I intended, which I love this though, because it's really getting deep into it. Um, I'm looking at the time. Do you feel uh, it's it's time to get in get in the wheelhouse? Get to some merc Let's get in the wheelhouse. What Let's are we doing? Inside. Now that we've teased it, <laughs> and, and now that we've teased it, and then gone an and hour, and then gone in another direction, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like it. We're keeping um, everybody. You know, we could do either the Holy Trinity or the sixty percent. Um, both are hazies. What, what do you guys want to do? Nate, do you have a preference? I would me. vote. I would vote for Holy Trinity. I because uh, uh, this is getting oh, into yeah. really the uh, uh, you know really the flagship Rouge River hazy IPA. So why don't we do that? Boom! So we did have this on the last pod together, and I believe we also had the pineapple Ooh. version. Which has got to be one of the probably the best fruited IPAs can can go either way. I feel like the pineapple one. I think I mentioned I was telling Tiffany, which she you know you met her Jordan when we did the last one, and she's like, "Oh, the brewery with the pineapple IPA." That was the first thing she said to me, and I was like, "All right, it was crazy." That's the one that everyone's remembering. So. Holy Trinity, would you, um, we'll talk about this off air, but would you still consider uh, this bad boy um, a flagship of sorts? Yeah, absolutely. It is the one beer um, that we make all the time other than Ridges. Um, okay. We tasted earlier. Um, 
so this is like our, our year round at the LCBO. So it's the one that we keep on all the time. Um, we've, we've been doing some seasonals at the LCBO. So this is the one that um, is constantly in the LCBO. Gotcha. Um, and at the brewery. Um, and we just did a rebrand on it. So it's got a I was new gonna say, Totally different. It looks sexy. And it's, it's got a bit of a uh, texture. Yes, it's got a little bit of like a tactile situation going on there. Love it. Um, but yeah, we just did a rebrand on it. So everything's looking same love, really good. Same beer. It. Yep. But yeah, we gotta we gotta get the metallic, you know, people shiny, flashy things. Oh yeah. Can, <laughs> <laughs> the metallic and the little little, Keep little them interested. Yeah. The little you know, what would you even describe it as? The little fucking furry bits? Fire. Mm-hmm. I love it. Everything mm-hmm. looks really crisp. Um, thank you, thank you. I feel like in this economy, which is always a fun thing to say, um, breweries who have <laughs> the era. yeah, breweries who have the uh, audacity to invest in something as uh, you know potentially overlooked as the um, the label, whether it's the metallic side or you know just that little bit of a you know feel or whatever. I feel like this that's mm-hmm. such a plus. That is just incredibly. I don't know if it's underrated, but I just think it's cool as shit. And there's in in an industry that's like tough to differentiate yourself. Like I feel like it is one way you can do that. And uh, this looks fantastic, dude. Um, and Absolutely, just, like just, any, any way you can separate yourself. I mean, you know, you got to oh, you got to yeah. do it these days. Oh, no choice. And this as well has Simcoe, Citra, and Mosaic, so a nice uh, little. Like without having had this for a little bit, you know, I'm imagining tropical, a little mm. bit of dankness from the old Simcoe there. Oh, look at Nate coming with the branded mm. glassware. All right, flexing mm. on us. Oh yeah. Can that we cheers cool. and get that in us, boys? Cheers. Cheers. Hundred percent. Cheers, boys. Stunning. Hits. It's definitely got that little touch of. Um, citrusy dankness in the back end but you know mango pineapple passion mm-hmm. fruit type of uh big juicy fruit forward great creamy body what is it six six eight six um, eight yeah nate and tasting notes before we let the uh, the man behind the beer tell us what we're tasting yeah um so one thing uh, so one thing i really appreciate is that simcoe is playing a big role in this i feel like simcoe it like it's it's certainly uh, like a like a heavily used and, and well used hop, but I feel like it is an underappreciated hop in the like in the flavors that it brings. And I love Fair. when like I love when hazies bring some pine, and Simcoe is so good for that. And I'm like, and I'm loving how that's tasting in here. Agreed. Yeah, there's like that touch of it's like a touch of pine, very subtle, and it works in concert with the you know the the obviously the juicy tropical fruit from the Citra Mosaic. Like it's Simcoe is such a great hop. Um, this like Nate mentioned this earlier, and I, like as far as his curiosity behind this particular beer, um, has this changed much? Oh, actually, Nate, from when you had it last to now, have you, you've had this before, obviously? 
I imagine. I have had it before, and uh, the, the last time I had it was actually fairly recently, like no, like no more than um, no more than maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it was actually the first time I had it. Uh, like even though I'd been drinking Rouge River for a while, it like I, I guess I had missed some Holy Trinity releases or whatnot. Um, I it, they, like it's been too long since I like since I had it most recently, so I couldn't really speak to how much it's changed since then, really. Yeah, I just checked my untapped and it was basically since the last pod, it was like, I think we filmed in the end of May and released it in June. So I must have brought, I think back then it was, this is pre-cans, it was still doing bottles. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely got that, um, yeah, that, it's not that straight juice bomb. It is a juice bomb, but it's got that little like character, like you said, from the Simcoe, which I think is just... It makes it just so interesting. So Jordan, has this be a change? We're just saying, has this be a changed, you know, or evolved a ton over the years? I know you said you've been in almost like seven years. So has this be a change much, or has it kept it pretty? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's been a beer we started making pretty early on. I would say maybe within our first year. Um, it wasn't our first beer or like our first. 10 beers or whatever, but it was pretty early, early on there. And then the whole joke was kind of just like, I was like my favorite hops, you know, it's citrus Simcoe mosaic. It's like, it's just like, it's everything you need, you know, and I'm actually, I'm not a religious guy. So it's kind of a weird that we went down this religious kind of thing, but I, you know, went to Catholic high school, all that fun stuff. So this is like, it's kind of, it's everything you need. It's like father, son, Holy ghost. Going on here. <laughs> um, and it, it, I think it's a little bit funny that like uh, still today and this is you know a recipe from like 2017 or not this recipe but you know the the idea Mm -hmm. from 2017 and here we are in 2023 and it still has so much relevance those hops and what those mean to people and still Mm -hmm. how important they are to the industry um which which speaks a little bit to the quality of those hops and how much they've come to define the industry <laughs> uh, to find the, especially the IPA market and all that kind of stuff. So um, obviously there's, yeah. you know, if we try this other IPA, I have it's a little bit different. Um, but I think as, as kind of I've learned and the industry has evolved, like the recipe has evolved as well. Um, so it's, it's not a beer we started making full time until about two years ago. Oh, okay. um, when we launched into the LCBO. So before then, it, you know, it was here and there. It was kind of our play thing. Um, maybe one of the beers we made, like we did variations on the most. So we'd like do double Trinity or triple Trinity or, you know, um, mm-hmm. mango Trinity or pineapple Trinity. Hey, that's the <laughs> like one. you mentioned. So it, was, yeah. it was, we did coconut Trinity. We did, I think Ooh. we uh, I don't know if we ever did coconut Ooh. lime trinity, um, but yeah, it was kind of our like play thing for for throwing other stuff into. Um, and then yeah, once we launched it into the LCBO, then it was it got a little more kind of codified, I guess you might say. So we kind of like stuck to it. Um, so it's always been those three hops: Citra, okay. Mosaic, Simcoe. Um, that's always been the case. There's definitely been lots of yeast variations throughout the year. So we've moved to, I mean, I could look it up, but we've, we've, we've gone through like classic London ale into like Vermont ale into, um, so many different companies, versions of those strains, basically, uh, like Omega, 
and uh, Imperial and Escarpment and a little bit of White Labs. Um, we've we've been through a lot, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> a lot of a lot of versions. Um, so yeah, like yeast strain experimentation has been been a big part. Like water, um, there's been a lot of kind of experimentations with water profiles. Um, that's kind of been a more interesting part. Um, but it is that is kind of the fine tuning part of everything. It's not really necessarily if you're changing yeast strains and stuff like that and and malt profiles, it's not really a good idea to mess around with water right away necessarily. Like that's mm-hmm. something. That's in the fine tuning part, right? Um, so there's definitely been some experimentation with the water profile, um, in particular potassium. Um, potassium Shasta has been bananas. like a game changer. Okay, was that shout out to bananas? Shout out, shout out to uh, <laughs> shout sure. out to that element. Yep. Um, <laughs> Periodic <laughs> table. Let's go. We out Let's here, go, baby. What's that number? I don't know. It's important. What's that potassium uh, on the thing? I never did chemistry. I guess we could Google it. KA, though. I think it's KA. KA, that sounds about right. I know something weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, you should know. You should know. I feel like you just know chemistry stuff. Hey, I'm a a math guy, not a science guy. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay, fair enough. Well, people can correct us. We'll never know. Google doesn't exist. Let's let's not worry about it. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, so a little... Yes, I think it's K. It doesn't really matter, but um, it's anyway, so I think you're right. I think instead. you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, so, some experimentation with potassium. Typically, you see like calcium-based salts, um, calcium sulfate, calcium chloride. Those are quite common in terms of uh, water manipulation. Hmm. So switching that for potassium, um, potassium chloride in particular. So messing around with that is something that's been of interest for the past couple of years, I would say. Cool. Um, and, and to me that adds a little bit more of a dryness to the, to the finish. Um, and it's something like mm. I've been in search of from some of my favorite beers, um, like kind of a juicy kind of like onset, like a kind of a mouth filling roundness with a, a dry kind of satisfying finish. Um, and it's, to me, it's the eternal quest of like a sip that leaves you wanting more. And that's yeah, that's of course like what we're chasing here. Yeah. Um, so that that's still you know it's 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 never done the search you know everything's always getting tweaked but um, so I, I'd say the water like the potassium based kind of salt approach has been something that's changed over the past couple of years. Um, and then our yeast strain, so we're on that cosmic punch strain from um, Omega Omega Labs. Okay. Which is a, well, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, if you guys want to hear about it, you guys, you guys heard about that a little bit? No, no, Cosmic I haven't punch. heard that one. No, Cosmic no, punch, I haven't no. actually. I I like, uh, es- Escarpment is the one that everyone, the, hmm. the, like that everyone, uh, like that everyone knows of in Ontario. But, uh, but like, yeah, Be- beyond that, uh, like there's not, like, like not much, I think. So yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. So, um, there, uh, Escarpment has a string called Thiol Libre which is kind of a similar concept. I haven't tried that strain, but it's the similar idea. So thiols are these like bound precursors that are based in like malt and hops um, that they, they call them bound. So there were some like early experiments. Um, there was a beer. Where's the brewery? 
were in Maryland. Um, they did a beer called the Locksmith. And anyways, it was just like unlocking these uh, these bound. If you guys heard of Scott Janish, you heard of Scott mm. Janish, the new IPA guy. Nope. He wrote a book called The New IPA. Okay. Um, and so he was. He did a whole thing on like interviewing breweries. And and there, anyways, there's there's so much hop research. It's kind of hard to talk about it all at the same time. But um, essentially, yeah, there's this new yeast strain called Cosmic Punch, and it. Like there's these these compounds bound into malt and hops um, that this yeast strain is supposed to un- unlock or release through fermentation. Hmm. So kind of the concept is to build in some of these bound thiols that will get expressed through the fermentation. Um, so there's stuff like mash hopping, which is a pretty obscure technique that probably nobody uses unless they're like a German old school brewery or chasing thiols based on this new research, uh, but throwing hops into your mash. So when you grain in, crushing huh. your barley, hot water, first step of the brewing process, throwing hops that are like thiol rich or rich in precursors. Um, if, if people want to know more, like you can, I think you can get it in Canada now, uh, either through Escarpment or you can get Cosmic Punch through homebrew shops. But um essentially kind of loading up your beer or wort with these kind of compounds and then they get expressed through the fermentation. Um, Hmm. So I think it is like a genetically modified product. So it is like through some gene manipulation that they've like expressed these traits in the, in the beer or through the yeast. Um, And we experimented with a little bit like two years ago. I would say like right when it was coming onto the market. Um, and then we switched off of it just because we couldn't keep, we wanted to keep multiple yeasts at the time, but we couldn't, we didn't have the production to maintain several yeasts. So we ended up letting it go. Um, and then pretty much ended up switching to it wholeheartedly about four months ago, five huh. months ago. Um, so oh, essentially hey, just for me, for everything, for Perfect. everything okay. that's not a pilsner or like a lager of mm-hmm. some kind, uh, or one of these clear kind of situations, West Coast ish kind of situations. So gotcha. pretty much every hazy IPA you've had since like February from us has been with this strain, okay. which is kind of okay. fun. Um, and now we're really starting to get to know it. <clears throat> Um, and I'd gotten to know it a little bit when we messed around with it before, but, um, I think right now, like that's a pretty unique aspect of what we do is just using this fairly new yeast strain that I think most breweries are probably scared or unsure of. Um, but the fact we make so many one-off IPAs, there's no house profile that we're so concerned on keeping. Mm. Um, and he said, if there's one way Trinity's evolved, like right now, yeah, we're using a new yeast um on on that but for for me to go into a little bit more into that is you definitely get a huge tropical character after the fermentation okay so more so than any other strain i've ever used before like you smell it after fermentation and you know some of them will smell like guava or passion fruit Hmm. um like they will have a distinctive like sweet tropical smell that is like nothing i've ever smelled before um, so I definitely like that a lot and it's definitely starting to evolve as we've used it for more and more months. Like we, we take 
basically a lab pitch. So we get like a fresh pitch of it and then we repitch it and repitch it and repitch it. So there's uh, like a lot of, a lot of brewers tend to kind of push that and just really get it. The, the theory is you get it adapted to your brewery space and adapted to your thing. And it kind of starts to react in unique ways, just based on your tanks, your process, your, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're definitely pretty settled in with this strain now. Um, and there's still lots to learn about it. You know, I, I think a bigger brewery would never do something as crazy as this, just switch all their beers to a totally different strain. <laughs> but that's the advantage <laughs> of being a small brewer-owned brewery is that we just, something sounds cool and we just do it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, basically, yeah, it loads like a ton of these like thiol, like these, these thiols are just like tropical kind of compounds, um, like tropical smelling. They're quite volatile, but they are like low threshold, threshold, what we call. So you don't need a lot of them to, to be expressed, like to perceive them. Hmm. Um, so these thiol compounds that are generated have these like passion fruity guava kind of aromas, which is obviously kind of part and parcel of like the haze IPA kind of pro- profile. Uh-oh. Frozen there. Oh, I think, yeah, we're frozen. He'll jump back in in a sec. Um, yeah. I was, uh, I found the beer that he was talking about called The Locksmith from this brewery called Sapwood Cellars in uh, Maryland. There's not oh, yeah. a lot of information on it, but interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe his device died he'll jump on to say yeah but that's um it's yeah. fascinating like to to change he's right like like changing the complete um uh i guess like you know sort of um oh here it is there's a whole article of this scott janish dude he was talking about utilizing bioengineered yeast and mm. and high bound thiol precursor hops and phantasm powder to theol drive beer jesus fucking christ that's so serious. It's um, yeah. It's that's I like, feel like that, that's like some next the, the next level nerd stuff there. And, yeah, and, and I don't say and I don't say that with any shade. Oh no, that is like a, a full respect thing. Yeah, I, I, my next question really was that I want to ask uh, Jordan is how he sees any of the regular. Obviously, any of his one offs, he wouldn't know any different. But any of the ones he does regularly, what what the changes have been? Like you said, you haven't had this recent enough to remember. It's been. Uh, four years for me since I've had it, so I don't recall either. Here he comes. We got you. So sorry, my uh, it just froze on me. There. That's okay. You know, it's technology. Everyone is used to it. We are good. Well, um, I, w- I was just saying to Nate that I found the uh, thing. It was by Sapwood Sellers was the locksmith beer that you were talking about. And I found an article by uh, that yes, yes, yes. on the on Scott Janish's blog. And it was intense, like super intense. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. has he's – okay. <laughs> is he – is he the because I know that the um that Phantasm was from Garage Project in New Zealand. Is that from is that the dude or is that someone else? But this is not Phantasm as such. Sorry, say that again. It was kind of a uh, freezing up. It broke up. This wasn't. Um, say that again. The yeah, fa- sorry. That's okay. It was the article that I pulled up had something to do with it was talking about Theos and Phantasm. You know, Phantasm was it was created by Garage Project in New Zealand. 
Yeah. Is this... Uh, sorry, my internet is still being still, a little crappy. Still playing up? That's okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's That's okay. Up. Do you want to... I heard Phantasm Garage Project. <laughs> I heard that. Is it... I just didn't is, hear the other pieces. That's okay. Is the Cosmic um, cosmic Punch, is that from... Is this Scott Janish dude involved in all of that? Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's okay now. Um, yeah, okay, no, really. he, he was just like one of the early... Um, it's like one of the test breweries. Like, so basically they, they let him uh, mess around with it and like just try to get some results out of it. Gotcha. Um, but he is kind of like the hop guy, the hop science guy. So he's done a lot. He did a book called The New IPA, which just, you know, talked to a lot of innovative, you know, new hazy brewers, you know, um, like other half. And there's there's a bunch of other guys in there that, you know, he tries to get some secrets out of them. Um, and of course, you know, Cheeky. there's a lot of secrecy around. Yeah, there's a lot of secrets around these brewers, but um, they're, they're, doing, they're in Maryland. Yeah, Sapwood. Um, yeah. So yeah, he was like one of the early brewers, as far as I'm aware, that got to try this strain out and um, just just make some batches with it. So I don't know. Um, so he basically that locksmith was like the one of the beers, early beers they did to kind of demonstrate what this yeast was was capable of. Mm. Um, okay. And like for for us, like as a hazy focused brewery, it, it makes a lot of sense to you know just Play with just it. dive in. Yeah, man. Have you what have you noticed? 100%. So in, since February when you switched yeasts, what have you noticed as far as the, the difference between, you know, the beer, obviously I was saying just when you're reconnecting that the one-off beers, obviously you wouldn't see a difference if you've, if they're a new recipe and you've only used cosmic punch with it, but for, you know, beers like Holy Trinity and beers like uh, other ones that you have done with your old yeast, what have you seen as far as like the difference? Um, from the old yeast to the new yeast in these, in these beers or recipes. Yeah, I would say um, there's a huge difference, like from what I've seen, like before the dry hop. So like post fermentation, um, smelling and tasting those beers is like, this is crazy. Like it's super, like it's a guava kind of passion fruity tropical. It's got a really unique note that, in my opinion, like I haven't seen in any other yeast strains. Um, hmm. But once we do a dry hopping, like once we add hops into the fermenter for dry hopping, it tends to mute some of that flavor. Okay. Um, and then especially once it's been packaged, it gets kind of like tamped down a little bit more. Um, so we did, it's funny, we did one, this was a while ago, I think it was 2021 when we first used the strain and we did a side-by-side, like same recipe, same beer, one with the thialized yeast um, was the cosmic punch. And then one with the one we were using at the time, it was a London ale three kind of situation. And uh, yeah, we did like a, we released them at the same time and there was no consensus as to which one people preferred at all (laughs) people liked one some people liked the other um yeah even one of my like brewer friends was like i like this one but like my you know my my close friend he he preferred the other one was like okay you couldn't call it not clear what to to do with that information yeah Yeah. there's nothing no no strong (laughs) conclusions to be made from that uh but they were both great beers and you know at the end of the day that's you know that that's good enough but 
anyway, so yeah, it's just like, especially if we're going to keep messing around with the same ingredients um, or, or, or similar hop profiles, at least we can put a new spin on it that, you know, people haven't necessarily seen before. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What, um, even if the we're only, still uh, mixing the, citrus the, and the only, the only other time I'd heard, uh, I like I'd heard that term before thialized yeast like and it was in the, like in only the last couple of months was with Badlands and their link up IPA was a, like was an all oh, yeah. citra one with like with thialized yeast and now I'm wondering if it was cosmic punch it very well could have been Yeah Yeah it's hard to say there's there's a few on the market now so it's um it's it's tough okay. to say but uh you know and a lot of breweries might may, may be using these strains and just not saying it because you know yeah they don't want yeah, to alarm yeah. people or right you know. yeah and uh, like and, and yeast is also not one of those things that is why like, like that is widely talked about it's one of the it's one of those things especially with hazy ipas is everyone wants to know the hops you yeah. know the, like no one's like no one's usually no not no one that's not accurate uh, like most people are not talking about it uh, like about the malt and even fewer are talking about the yeast that uh, like that's used for it yeah the hang on make sure can you hear me i can hear you okay cool cool jordan i think jordan might be frozen that's all i think he's frozen yeah he might be he's given like a johnny depp look i feel like that's why yeah, a like a very a very intense stare right now. Very intense, like, like, kind of like he's pop. Like it's kind of like he's popping out from the background a little bit, even. Yeah, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like he just won a lawsuit against Amber Heard, and he's just gonna go and uh, spend that money. I love it. I was um, uh, I was gonna say I was curious about. Now I've completely lost my fucking train of thought. Either way, oh jeez, yeah, I know. It's like it's it's uh, it's okay. Here we go. He'll jump back in. Yeah, man. I yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it was more. I think I was gonna. No, that's what it was. I wanted to just know why he decided to, excuse me, run with this yeast. Like when he was saying that, like you know, some brewer friends would say this way, and some of his team, blah blah blah. Everyone was like giving mixed yeah, responses. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was the clincher that made Rouge River decide to go ahead and, and use this cosmic punch when it seemed like it was mixed reviews? I mean, I guess the best part is you can always go back. They're always making you know, I'm sure he has a bunch of the house yeast. Um well and uh, well and, and and mixed reviews. I don't even know if that's accurate because that kind of makes it because uh, that kind of makes it sounds like some people loved it, some people didn't, which I don't think is really the case. It's more that they couldn't they get consensus on which, like on yeah. which yeast was better. That's more what I meant, I guess, is that because you couldn't get consensus, then why was the decision made to move to this one? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. So that and you know what it uh, maybe maybe uh, we can confirm with him when he comes back on, but maybe with that, like with a lack of consensus, he just went with what uh, like with what he prefers. That's what I, I I bet you that's the answer because I think that's the beauty of having a brewer owned brewery is that at the end of the day he can get all the feedback, but you know just like with any business it's sort of you know it's better that one person has the final or at least like an odd number of people like a board whatever have the ultimate decision. So that he's able, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. Let's give it a crack. He he liked it enough to switch everything, and I think that's fair. I think it's completely fair. You can't uh, yeah. fault anyone for for doing that. Here he is. Um, let's make sure this works before we ask the question. Oh damn! It's just a uh, black screen right here. Damn. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
There he Ooh, is. Oh, there he oh. is. You got it? Yeah, I had to hotspot. Like, our internet just went down. Oh, damn. I don't know what's going on. You had a nice, when it froze, you looked so like hot- uh, It's what? I was hotspotting off my phone, and then the quality was, like, really, really bad. And then it, like, froze. So, uh, yeah, showed it to my girlfriend. She's on TELUS. I think TELUS is doing better right now. Shasta TELUS. Um, you were doing it. It was very, like, it was free, free promo. <laughs> free promo, yeah. You sponsor us, TELUS. God damn it. You were, uh, you were doing some very Johnny Depp face. I liked it. We liked it. We were yeah. appreciated. Yeah, it was good. It was you, good. Looked, you looked like you just won a lawsuit. It was great. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Um, what we wanted to know was being that you were just explaining that, you know, you had the current, the, the previous yeast and then this cosmic punch and that you couldn't get a general consensus. What was the defining sort of factor that made you pull the trigger on moving all of the beers to the new yeast? I, I think like the results were, were great and they were like, it made an amazing, it's still, it's still based off a similar genetic like parent. I think mm-hmm. it's based off like a, another British British L five or something from Omega, um, so it's it's still like similar to a Vermont or like the London ale. It still has like English roots, so the the, the genetic basis to me is is still in that root of what we already used. So it's just it's it's to me it's like first of all like can can we make something that's a little more unique or that or that most breweries aren't aren't using? Um, but the default the default baseline is still a great like English strain which is something we'd use anyway. Right. It's like, there's no, to me, there's no, like, it's still going to make great beers. Maybe they're not absolutely going to revolutionize the world of brewing, but they'll definitely be within the same style as what we're doing before. If not better, you know, more tropical. Gotcha. Which is what you're after. Okay. I like that. Um, yeah. With that said, how do you guys feel looking at the time? How do you guys feel about, uh, are we, am I preempting it here? I mean, I've no, been no, cr- I think you're good. You to, I, I, I think you're right on the money. It's time yeah. for the next one. I feel like we've been really good this episode. Normally, me and Nate are, are a little like we fuck up because you start getting on talking. You just kind of like, oh shit, let's time. And then this episode, we're being we're being good because we want to get through a few more beers. This one, um, yeah. Jordan, what do you uh, what do you think, my man? You mentioned before 100%. that you wanted to make sure that we got something specific in. Was that the uh, the sixty percent? Sixty percent. Absolutely. Beautiful. Does this glorious bad boy, come on, does this one have the uh, Cosby Punch? Yeah. Beautiful. 100%. Or 60%. Get it? (laughs) Well done. 60% of the time, it works every time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote right there. So this beer... Ooh, this smells very different. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. See, this is what people don't okay, understand. Have to go same glass here. Oh, look at us, Nate! Stop copying me. Um. Ooh, that looks fantastic. It looks completely different too. I feel like this is a little murkier, and I've I haven't even uh, mm-hmm. got to the yeast yet. Um. Now this is a one-off, uh, six point five percent. Um, what are we talking, Jordan, as far as the hops on this uh, little gem? Well, I'm happy you asked that question because I, uh, I have a lot of things to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, the floor is yours. We have um, unlimited time, my guy. I got nowhere else to be. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
No, um, thank yeah, you. So some kind of exciting things. This was an IPA that was just um, what's in the fridge. What is the most exciting thing I can do right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and this answer to that question. So there's a new hop called Luminosa. Um, oh, okay. Which is pretty exciting. It's from the people that brought you Strata. If you guys are familiar with Strata. Mm, I am, yes. Uh, um, yep. I, for, I forget the farm that that was from. Apologies to that farm that did this. Shout out to that farm. Uh, I don't think it's... Shout out to the farm. Uh, I forget <laughs> the breeder. It's a breeder farm. Um, but anyways, it's their latest and greatest. The people that brought you Strata, this is their like new their new one. Um, so Luminosa. It's it's not a Harry Potter spell. Although it's I think not. it also is a Harry Potter spell. Is it called Roy Farm? It's also a new... Does that sound right? Roy Farms? Maybe. Probably. That's what came up on Google straight away. That's okay, some never. farm. Yeah. Some farm. Whatever. Shout yeah, shout something like that. Make sure farm. Get shout us the farm. Yeah, yeah. Shout us the farm. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is kind of their latest and greatest. I, I love this hop. Like smelling it out of the bag is always important. Um, like you just smell before you dry hop, you smell what's going on, and it's a big indicator of what you're gonna get in the beer. Mm. This one I was I was very excited about. Um, this is one of my one of the things I'm most excited about, I would say. Uh, so you guys may not have heard of Luminosa. It's pretty new on the scene. Um, there's, I think there's only a handful of breweries that have messed with it, but um, like super peachy, like any any peachy like stone fruit is always like a, a positive for me. I'm always kind of trying to find something that gets like character. Like Citra always brings you a bit of that, um, but any any. Any variation on that is always welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rewaka. Rewaka is always a special hop. Um, something wow. that we could not get at all a few years ago, but now have been able to get our hands on a little bit more, which is also pretty nice. Uh, were you saying something, Nathan, there? Sorry to cut you off. Uh, no, I don't. No, I didn't have anything. I was, uh, I was about to say, you're all good, man. Probably just moan. And then, then cheers. Uh, this yeah. is cheers. I'm going to sip this. Cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, cheers, mm. cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, that just tastes like New Zealand hops. Jesus. Yeah. And then um, mm-hmm. so the third one is Nectaron. So Nectaron is like a newer New Zealand situation. Um, that That's one of the newer. It's been around for maybe a couple years now. Um, still, still pretty new to most people, uh, drinkers yeah. and brewers alike, I would say. Um, yeah, Nectron is awesome. But yeah, it was kind of like what, maybe some of our, to, to me, like some of our newest and most exciting hops that we have um, access to right now are these three. Yes. Um, so I figured I'd just mash them all together, see what happens. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. <laughs> this this is fantastic. Um, I've I think I, I've definitely had Nectron a number of times, uh, and Rowak obviously, but I think the Luminosa I don't know if I have. But this is a fascinating combination, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is very different to um, to Holy Trinity. It is for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. This one, this one is like this one has is very bold and punchy. Like there's a, there's a, like, like there's a lot of really bold tropical flavor going on here, and it's. Straight, I don't even know which one. To, like, I can't even know which one to focus on. Yeah, I feel like it's um, where Holy Trinity had that dank, pithy citrus 
not quite to the level, obviously, the Little Rouge with the American style, but it had that little dankness in the background. This has none of that. Mm-hmm. This is just bright, aromatic fruit juice. Um, and there's that je ne sais quoi of the New Zealand hops. Like whatever that thing that New Zealand hops do, you could you could try this blind and you're like, I don't know what hops they are, but God damn it, they're from New Zealand. And these mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. oh, this is, this is um, spectacular, dude. Yeah, and, and I think the interesting thing I would probably bring up is that like all of our IPAs are based on a pretty similar base recipe okay. profile, yep. so like water and malt and yeast. Um, so really, like trying Trinity to this, it's really just a different um, dry hop profile. Right. So we're just changing that up, and it's crazy, you know how much how much difference you see in just oh, that. so much. Just a different dry hop combination, but. Like I said the water, the malt, um, everything's pretty like standard-ish, more or less. Like they're they're pretty similar. Um, there's like slight water tweaks on some of them, mm-hmm. um, but by and large, it's the same. But like you taste that and you taste this, and um, they're they're pretty different. <laughs> like, and that's what I say to people that think all hazy IPAs taste the same. You know, you like oh. taste this, taste that. Um, and, and people, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit before Could be more you walk into yeah. breweries that have, you walk yeah, into yeah. breweries that have four, five beers, hazy IPAs on tap. And you're like, well, what's the difference? And it's hard to kind of Everything. express that sometimes, right? Like yeah. I imagine talking about the IPA we just had versus this, you know, obviously there's a lot of ways to quantify that, but having so many IPAs, it's like, it's hard to communicate that without just being like, just, just taste it. <laughs> I, I, absolutely, man. It's like it's. I would really hope that anyone criticizing hazy IPAs at this point in 2023 would be very aware that they are not the same. And I think it's this is the beauty of having a um, a brewery like Rouge River on the pod, where we're getting to try different hazy IPAs from the same brewery, and ju- it's night and day, man. Even just like. Like the the interesting thing to me is that the, if you're saying the base is basically the same, I mean, obviously Holy Trinity is six point eight, this is six point five, but even just the like the opaqueness, the the murk mm-hmm. on the sixty percent is very different. Um, the hot profile mm-hmm. is completely. We're talking citrus, very citrus forward on the Holy Trinity, just because of that sort of like just a little touch of that pithy grapefruit, whatever. But this is just straight like a bowl of like you said, guava and mango and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's um, this is glorious, and the body is crazy. Yeah, mm. yeah. To to me, like this is just like it leaves you wanting another step which is like the ultimate mm-hmm. goal of us, you know, out there is just like you put it down and you're just like, yeah, I want another sip of that thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and like New said, Zealand like, hops are, stuff- oh, sorry, uh, sorry, Jordan, didn't I'll go interrupt ahead. you. Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying like uh, with, with water and all that stuff and, and, and the whole, you know, game of it all is just like, the best IPAs I've had in my life is just like, you, you don't really want to put it down. And the only reason that you do yeah. is that you know it's 6.8 and you know that you need to. Um, and like, <laughs> I'm, I'm into cocktails and tea cocktails and all that. And it's just like it's the same thing. It's like it's so delicious, but you're just like, I just need to place this down. So I do not keep drinking it because if I do, it's going to be bad. And uh, this, this is the <laughs> ultimate goal we're after. It's like, and I'm sure you guys know the best beers you've ever had. You just don't want to put it down. You're just like, 
especially yeah. when it finishes clean it finishes a certain way and i think with this beer we're getting pretty pretty close and it's never perfect you know or else what's what's the point but you know i, I think we're getting closer to like what we consider you know what, what i want what i want in a beer this is yeah like spectacular like honestly this is i, I feel it, like i know exactly what you're talking about when you say what you want in a beer um this is crazy, man. This is just straight peach. It's just, this is everything that, like, if I'm, and I feel like now you saying that, sorry, Nate, to, to I know you're jumping in. Um, you saying that, Jordan, like, when I'm drinking this, I'm like, this is my, like, if I want a hazy IPA, 6.5, Nate and I always talk about this. That's my money zone between six and seven. I love that. Love eight plus as well, but this is, like, my preference. And with this buddy, and with this flavor profile, with the peach, with the stone fruit, um, this is like textbook. Like if I can have this every time, I'd be like, I'd be happy. This is what I want every other. Mm, it's yeah. like the, the baseline almost for what a high quality uh, New England IPA should be, in my opinion. So I'm absolutely with you on that. This is fucking spectacular, my dude. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, couldn't right agree there. with that more. <laughs> mm. It's, uh, yeah, cheers. Fucking Couldn't agree with geez. that more. Like, like this Oof. is this is just spectacular. I can yeah, say, like I can glorious. see why you were so amped to have us taste this one. Yeah, I, I, um, we did the right thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and to talk about like like a beer that you like that you kind of can't really uh, can't really put down. I feel like New Zealand hops, when used really well, are so good for that Money. because they're the kind of hops that like that always end up creating such a dry finish yeah. it's uh, like i find it so common with like with new zealand hops and, uh, and like and this has that in spades it's uh, yeah. the, the, like it's got like the, like there's almost no residual sweetness left at the end and like that's one of those things that just makes you really wanting to go back for another sip again could and the the hop burps it's coming through my nasal passages that's my favorite <laughs> thing and it's just like a peach is traveling up my back on my throat into my nose it's it's gorgeous, man. Like, it's like mm. there's something special. I think it's like it's this is a mix. I, I don't want to credit. I mean, I definitely have to give the hops a lot of credit for for this, but it's the body and the water chemistry that you were talking about earlier, mm. and that yeast mm. that's delivering it, and the hops are bringing that bitch on home. Like that's what we're talking about here, and it's like, I think it's just like special. Like this is like basically that sort of perfect New England IPA without <laughs> boosting it too much. This is exactly the type of shit that I'm. This I love this, bro. This is exactly what I'm saying. Like not to even downplay the other beers. This is just the and it sounds like this is for you too because this was the one that you mentioned before we got on air and multiple times since we've been on air. And like Nate just said, I understand now. I get what you're talking about. We needed to drink this together. Um, I'm extra happy. Do we have two cans of this one? Tell me we had two cans of this one so I can have it again. Yeah, we do actually. We do? Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. I'm a like, good go. guy. I'm a good guy like that. Some might Don't say the best guy. You are. You are. So <laughs> boy out here. Oh, never. I knew. Jo- I knew what Jordan I was, came I knew through. What I they're all good. They're all They're all my lovely children. But you know what? This is like a little. So, do you know what's funny? This kid's I, hitting the, the, this kid's <laughs> hitting the homers. He's, you know, he's got talent. I had on, He's going on, to college. He's getting a scholarship. <laughs> every time the funniest shit in the world on new year's eve i'm not going to say who it is my my friends and his wife were at new year's eve all together and they got two kids and we asked them both as we were you know drunk whatever all that yo who are your favorite kid they both said different kids were their favorite kids i was like i knew parents had their favorite kids 
I couldn't believe it. I was so funny. And uh, I can see why. This, yeah. I think it's okay to have a favorite child. The way they were both so brazen about it. Obviously, the children were young and in bed, but I was like, mm. I like that. I respect that you said that. And they didn't even blink. They just went straight to it. I was like, you can have a favorite kid. They're all your kids. You have a preference. We can talk. We can talk about this like after we go offline. But I bet I know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, you're not you're not wrong, Jordan, for having this as your your favorite child. I think they're all been very um, very unique, and they're really, you know, it's like a different elements and different sort of like uh, tools in the arsenal of of what the brewery is, and you personally as a brewer. But you know what Rouge River is about. And this is that kind of like, yeah, let me just show you what the fuck I can do. It's just, this is fantastic. And I mm-hmm. it, like yeah, to, to, to me, it's, 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 it's like eminently like flavor, flavorful, but not overbearing in terms of like bitterness or, um, you know, like overly sweet or overly hoppy, overly dank. It's just like, no, it kind of hits you and it hits you in a nice way where it, it finishes clean. It's got like the body's not too heavy. It's just, Everything kind of works with it, and you're you're just kind of left like that was a good sip, you know what I mean? And it's it's hard to do that. There's so many things to deal with in these beers, and uh, you know I haven't I haven't figured out all the secrets or or the answers. But like I said, brewing for brewing professionally for like ten years now, um, you know we're getting closer. We're getting closer, <laughs> hey, man. I, I love that. I, I feel like yeah, man. It's like. I feel like there's there's different parts of it because on on the brewer side you've been working on obviously the the water the the yeast the sort of the way you put it all together and then on the you know the hop farmers have been there you know putting together all these different type of things and you know the New Zealand hops like nectar on peacherine to me this tastes like a peacherine beer it's that heavy in mm. peach I think peacherine mm. has been one of my favorite new hops and the fact it's not even in here and it tastes like that is um mm. is amazing. It's, it's Watch just out for like, Luminosa, yeah, so, man. So, Luminosa's coming for Peacherine. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah Lumino- Luminosa's one to watch. We'll mm. see. We'll see. Luminosa's on my list right now. I think Probably I want to have some there. single. Yeah. Contract that don't even fuck around. Yeah. If you don't mess around. Let, let me do it first, though. Just just give me a couple weeks, though. I haven't done it yet. But by the time the breweries hear this, you've got a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> we got a couple weeks up our sleeve, bro. You're safe. Got, You're safe. We got some time. We got some yeah. time. You lock in them contracts. So Luminosa. <laughs> if that's the, would you say of those three hops, then Luminosa is what's is the dominant? Is that what's delivering that like whatever is that the it star is? Of the show. I, this, thank you. I, I would say yes. I would say yes. So yeah. what are the characteristics yeah. perhaps of Luminosa? I, I've definitely heard of it. I may have had a single hot beer with it, but I don't know. I don't recall. Probably Badlands. I think they did a mm-hmm. pedestal with that one. They did, but I haven't been – I might not have copped just because mm-hmm. I've been a little overstocked with these American trips. It's kind of fucked my game up this year. Um, what are the characteristics of Luminosa, even for people who haven't heard of it before, John? To, to to me, it's like stone fruit, like it's it's apricot, it's peach. That's the um, one. Mainly apricot, peach, and like I'm always looking for that flavor. Um, like to me, like galaxy stuff like that can be super more tropical, passion fruity, mango. But to to me, it's it's a big stone fruit character, and like you can never have too much apricot peach flavor in a hazy. You know, there's never anything. Preach. You can't go overboard with that. Never. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, preach. So to, to me, it's it's one of the peachiest things. Like you know, a- Amarillo used to be that thing back in the day, and what happened? Amarillo was kind of I don't know something went wrong with the farmers or or whatever. It's well, do all you think- out of favor a little bit. Yeah, it's coming can- back a little bit. I will I will say it's been coming back a little bit. But okay, when I was home brewing, like you know, back in the eighteen hundreds, um, you know. <laughs> Amarillo was a while ago. I'm so old now, but uh, no, like Amarillo used to be great, and then something you know, just things happen with it. Like different farms grow it, and it just kind of, it just it doesn't have the consistency that it used to. But it's coming back. It's coming back. Okay. But Amarillo used to be the peachiest kind of thing, and then Citra kind of came into that pocket a little bit. But um, to to me, Luminosa is like I'm. I'm very excited about it. And I have, I have very limited experience, I will admit, like in a handful of beers. But um, com- compared to some of the other stuff, and I, it's hard to stay on the cutting edge of hops. It's like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous game when you overcommit to things that don't pan out. But um, Lumin- Luminosa, I think, is, is definitely one of, one of the hops I would, I'm, I'm pretty excited about coming up. It's, okay. one, it's one to watch for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I wonder. It. I wonder if um, instead of like what I almost feel like is that sometimes like the Amarillo and like the more maybe like I was about to say classic hops. That's really not fair. But like the more like you know established hops aren't depreciating in quality, but these new ones are just fucking like ramped up so crazy that it's like not putting them to shame, but it's really making people like, whoa, what is this? What's happening? Like, you know, with these breeding programs and such, I like that would probably be my guess as opposed to it being flat. It's just things are changing. And the way these old new hops, you know, that Nectaron, Pichurine, Luminosa type of world, Rawaka, you could put it in there. I don't know if it's a Wakatu and Waimea and all those New Zealand hops mm. that are like, seem to be eclipsing because it was the Australian hops for a while, Galaxy Eclipse. Um, Vic Secret, Ella, all that stuff. And then I feel like that had its run from 2018-ish for a few years. And then the New Zealand hops just kind of like, just, you know, controlled the game. And it could even just be that. They just, whatever mm-hmm. whatever the hell they did to make these damn plants, they they nailed it. And, and that's really what it is. But it's not even a detraction on the maybe legacy hops like Amarillo and such. That'd be a theory anyway. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think certain hops have like held up like a pretty consistently high quality over the years for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like the hop the hop companies are always trying to push like new varieties, trying to give you like the latest and greatest thing. Um, and I've had a lot of experience mm-hmm. with this, and they're not typically the latest and greatest thing. Um, mm-hmm. And certain hops like do bring you some, but I, I think maybe like the fundamental issue or problem is like the the flavor palette we're looking for is not that wide so we're not looking for grassy floral we're not looking for you know these these certain profiles we're we're looking for like tropical heavy citrus you know kind of kind of this spectrum and you know el dorado was something that was very people got excited about um i got excited about became equinaut and that's kind of fallen out of favor pretty heavily um but yeah, that had a cedary, like a more of a cedar, like woody note. Mm. Um, and we yeah. still use it like here and there, just to have fun. 
Um, something like Sabro is another one that we like to use still, but it's like, it's a particular flavor that yeah. falls outside of the typical spectrum of, of like. Very divisive. Yeah, exactly. There's never been a more divisive so I, I think than Sabro. Yeah, I, I think like that's the problem with some of these hops is like because they fall out of the normal spectrum, they become more divisive because they don't, um, you know, conform to this tropical citrus profile. Yeah. So everything yeah. kind of gets squished and, within um, that profile for better, for worse. Yeah. And to uh, like and to add to that as well, um, see, just uh, like as you were saying on the whole uh, like on the whole bit of uh but like some hops kind of fall, like kind of falling out of favor. Remember what Troy was saying happened with Galaxy for like for for a little while, like for a couple of years. How it like it, it like because it was like it was banging for like for the longest time, but had a couple of years stretch where it, like where it really dipped uh, like for a while and had kind of fallen out of favor broadly. And I like and I feel like the same like as um, you know as Jordan was saying. I feel like the same thing could have happened. They could have theoretically happened with like with Amarillo as well, on um, like mm. on that front as well. It doesn't like I feel like both can be true. The fact that you know you've got these new ones like Luminosa, Petrine, uh, Nectaron, uh, Rawaka, all of these like all of these on the rise. But uh, um, it's possible that you know if if Amarillo had a, like had a bad couple of years with those like with the crops of uh, where like wherever it's being farmed or whatnot, it might have been just off years the same way Galaxy had a couple of off years before it kind of seemed to spring to spring back up again. It's weird how um, like how it can vary so broadly year mm. to year. Yeah. I had a uh, I did a pod recently with this brewery called uh, Resident Culture in Charlotte, North Carolina, and their um, uh, flagship IPA used to have Galaxy in it. And he, I forgot about what you're referring to that Troy was telling us about Galaxy until he brought it up. This was like last week, and um, I was like, "Oh shit, you're right, yes." Ga-. And he they actually swapped Galaxy out of their flagship, which is you know like equivalent of Holy Trinity, and replaced it with Strata. Mm. which was I thought was an interesting mm. mix because Galaxy was so inconsistent. Mm. They were like, we can't rely on this. Let's switch the hop completely. And we moved to Strata, and, and they're super happy with how that uh, hop worked. So you're yeah. kind of at the mercy, whilst all of your other things, you know, like Jordan, you were talking about the water chemistry, all the shit we just said, you know, all those different things, the yeast and testing and blah, blah, blah. You're kind of at the mercy of the crops, which comes back to almost like the wine side of things where it's like, there was years that were known, yeah, the summer of 2009 was super dry and that resulted in X and blah, blah, blah. Like it's the same thing with hops, but obviously a lot more, uh, you know, recent. And it just is what it is. Like if it's a shit uh, thing, I guess that's probably the benefit of going to Yakima or fucking if you want to make the whole trip down to New Zealand or Australia to go and actually do the, the hop rubbing. So you can choose those batches individually, which is a whole expense and situation in and of itself but um maybe that's the only way to know for sure what you're getting because if you're going to the farms that are actually making the that are producing the galaxy and you can be like uh, this is not me but i like you know i like all these other ones or whatever it sort of puts brewers because not everyone can do that it's not always mm-hmm. practical to take that time off every september to go you know whether it's north america or what you know i've forgotten southern hemisphere fall is uh you know march april may type of thing um, you know, I imagine that's probably mm-hmm. when they have their harvest down there. If you want to go down south to go and do that, I mean, that's just like a whole thing. 
and it's not always practical for everyone to do the hop rubbing. So you can really have these batches that you're like, this is the batch I want type of thing. It's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for breweries, you know, and I guess you probably got to go with the things Mm -hmm. that you know are going to be more consistent. Like, is that the thinking behind that? Like, you're like, well, I know that these New Zealand hops that if I'm there or not are going to be fire. So I'm going to contract these. Like, what's the thinking behind that? I, I think I think like that is is super important. Like it 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 does have being a big factor, but I think also that's that tends to be d- depending on where you get your hops from and all that stuff. Like that's the last maybe ten percent, okay, you know, or five percent. It's kind of water chemistry. Like if you're making a great base beer that's cleanly fermented, no off flavors, good balance of sweetness, dryness, you know, tropical profile, that that ends up being like way more important than getting the perfect lot of hops. Um, Interesting. Like, you know, I I've, I've made great beers with hops that weren't necessarily the best, (laughs) you know, but it's like, Hmm. I think your base process has such a big effect on what turns out. Um, And like I said, it'll get you from 90 to 99% or whatever, 90 to a hundred percent. But hops aren't going to make a, poorly crafted, you know, base beer from a 50% to a 70% or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like everything else has to be working perfectly. And then you add the right hops that are tasting good, fresh, good lot, whatever. And that'll, that'll get you, that'll get you the rest of the way. But it's like, it, to me, um, it's, it's not necessarily, there. it's important it's important but like i've noted just so many variations in hops i've used um and obviously like i've learned a lot of lessons of hops that will bring your beer down i've definitely had that before where the beer is tasting great you dry hop and then it's like oof it's not it's not <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. it kind of killed it like a little bit um and you know i i think like for a lot of hazy brewers and friends of mine you know, there's an insurance policy a little bit, especially if you're trying something new where you throw in something, you know, is banging and then you try something new in there a little bit. So even if it's not hitting the way you want it to, it's still going to be good. So mm. that's why we tend to like kind of mitigate Blend. the risk a little bit. Um, mm. We try to like, okay, we're going to try something new, but I'm not going to do a hundred percent of that. I'm going to throw in, you know what I mean? It'll be a third or it'll be like a quarter. So if it yeah. doesn't quite hit, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a bad beer. It'll still be fine. So hmm. you, you have stuff you know that works really well, and then that carries the beer. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of a insider. Secret. No, that's great. <laughs> it was like cause- no, I feel, I feel like there's such a I feel like there's such a great point in there that uh, like where you're talking about how your base process matters so much more than the crop of hops that's like like, that's such a really important point that i feel like is probably lost uh, very much so people always say like a a, a lot of times in the scene it's like it's one of those things that like like you know we 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 plenty of breweries who are like are using the latest and greatest hops but it like but you know if they're like if their average beer is just uh, like it's just a meh or uh, like our subpar, no hop is going to bring that like you say up to 80, 90, 95, uh, like 95%. It like you know, yeah, your like your base process has to be solid 
um, the, the, like, you know, to use the latest and greatest hop really well. Like, the, the, that's such a great point. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it'll, it'll elevate if you have something already nice and good. It'll it'll take you yeah. to the stratosphere. But if you have something that's, you know, infected or oxidized or improperly fermented or the water is whack, like it's, it's not going to save you. It's not going to save you. You need to have no. something that's already at a high level and that'll take you to the upper echelon. So I think I think that's the whole yeah. kind of idea where it's, it's it's not the saving grace like throwing nectar on into a beer is not going to make it taste good if your base tastes like crap. Um, so it's just you know. So it's the opposite yeah. of what everyone <laughs> always says. They always like oh hazy IPAs you just fucking disguise it with hops and it's fine. Like that's really not the case. Like that's something that I've heard many many times that people kind of like a bit dismissive of. But they're probably I not guess- brewing good IPAs if they're talking like that. <laughs> I, I imagine the people who are saying it <laughs> probably just don't understand. I I can't even. Or think they don't brew. Or they don't brew. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're yeah, brewers that are saying that. I can't even think of. You know what I'm talking about, or, Nate? Know, like, or, like, people have said know, this shit. Or you know, they're, like they're like they're just the folks who love to like who love to hate on this style. There's and, a lot of those. Uh, and it's it's like like and there's a lot of them and you know what like like the less said about them the better we don't need to focus <laughs> on that shit um, exactly it's but like rom like rom from fairweather the, the, the like had a had a really good rant on this when we were chatting with him a few, like a couple of months ago he's just like it's it's not an easy to brew it's no. like it's not it's not just a matter of throw, like of throwing a bunch of hops in it to, like to mask like there's there's a whole bunch of, uh, like there's a lot of breweries out there making really bad IPAs. So, like it's like throwing hops in a beer does not make it good. It's a, like, it's a case of a, like, it can make it look like a hazy IPA, but it's not going to taste like a good, like a good IPA, your base beer, like all of the basic elements of it still matter a lot. Like you're mm-hmm. like, you're a hundred percent bang on there, Jordan. Like the, uh, like, Hops can, like you know, hops can bring, they can bring it up, but it's not going to replace the, the, the like the base elements of a really good beer. No, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I forgot about that. I remember him say, Ram saying that he was like very passionate, and I was like, yeah, bro, fucking preach, because I feel yeah. like I'd heard it too much <laughs> from too many people who didn't understand. Because like even in twenty twenty three, you'd think. Uh, New England IPAs have been around since maybe 2015-ish. So that's a pretty long... That's when the podcast started. We started in 2015. That's a a pretty long time as far as craft beer is concerned. And there's still a, you know, relative portion of the population of beer people, whether in the industry, who don't understand the value. They just think you just disguise anything with hops, but lagers, you know, and obviously lagers, you got nothing to hide behind, but... Hops aren't going to hide a shit beer, and that's really what we're, you know, we're we're showcasing here. And I think that's really key for people to remember that people who make great hazy IPAs make great base beers, and they complement that with fantastic hops and fantastic hop combinations that they have curated, as opposed to disguising flaws with those hops. So you know, I think I, I like that's just important to bring up and uh, you know as uh, you know proponents and and passionate evangelists of hazy ipas as the three of us i feel like that's just really important to sort of like really push that fucking that point forward here 
it doesn't come up that often, but it comes up often enough that it's like, all right, you know, there is the difference between a mid and a A1 fire haze, and uh, that needs to be recognized. I would yeah. say there's like definitely like a give and a take to a certain extent. Like I said, like if you're already at a, at a certain level of consistency and your your brew team or whatever, which in, in our case is just me, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of breweries have bigger teams, some smaller, actually not because I guess Cause you can't get smaller, smaller than, than one. <laughs> you can't have smaller than one. Uh, maybe a part. Maybe if you only had one, if you had one part-time brewer, that would be Ooh, smaller. There you go. Okay. I'm full-time. I'm one full-time. So maybe <laughs> that that's like a point of distinction. But um, no, like I said, like, I, I, I think, I think there is like a great beer can pull it up a bit. Uh, a great hop can pull it up a bit, but to consistently hit like outstanding beers, like everything has to be, everything has to be at a high level. And uh, you know, for for us, because yeah. we're so focused on IPAs or I've been focused on IPAs for the past like 10 years of my life, <laughs> like that is the utmost importance to me. Um, so yeah, like every, everything can be it, but like you can, if you can consistently stay at that level, that's just a testament to, you know, your dedication to the whole, the whole process. And not that, you know, we talked a little bit about like occasional, I'm an occasional lager brewer, you know, I'm, I'm, I plead guilty to be an occasional lager brewer drinker, but um, <laughs> you know, Soon there, to there's be still regular. love. There's still love. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. We're getting more regular. We're I feel like regular, but, I w- I'm very much looking forward to the next pod when we can check in after you've sort of really gone deeper into lagers. Cause I feel like with someone like yourself, who is so passionate about the new England stuff that, you know, to the levels that you've gone to craft a, what you consider the perfect new England IPA, as far as the water and the, the hops and, and the yeast and blah, blah, blah. Once you get like hyper, I feel like you've, there's no Rouge River beer that isn't you haven't got nerdy about, so I'm definitely not trying to take that away. But I'm saying once you get like balls deep nerdy about the shit, I feel like mm. it'll be a whole other conversation. And I feel like I can see you getting excited about it. Um, and I think it's just more like a, a time thing of just kind of going and you just got to like, you know, it, it, surround yourself with the lager side of things to really like get like extra extra nerdy about it because it's. It sounds like without obviously Nate and I aren't brewers, but you know there is a different approach to that to to lagers. Obviously, you know better than us. You know compared to to New England, what what makes an incredible lager than what makes an incredible New England IPA? Like the level of like nerdiness you have to get involved with is just different. It's, I'm sure it's still the same level of nerdiness, but just different direction that you just have to aim that mm-hmm. shit in. Um, I'm excited, you know, and you're already doing all these other things. It's more just like, all right, how deep do you want to go in lagers? You're already like, you know, you already know what's up with this with this one style, uh, and others. Like, you know, not to say you've you've done like we talk about it off uh, off air earlier. You, know, you guys have had a barrel program. You guys are doing stouts, and obviously, um, I remember being blown away when we did the pod last time by a uh, fruited sour that you had. That was just crazy. Mm. And this was pre-smoothie era too. This was 2019. This is just like a fruited sour, like a lightly fruited sour. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, a, I think it was peach. Peach is the best ever. Um, mm. You know, so it's not like you're, you're unfamiliar with many of these other styles. So it's more just like a matter of time for like, depending on how nerdy you want to get with it. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can put, you know, I, like I said, we're talking about lager a little bit, and it's every, every style is its own world. So it, it's it's true. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's impossible to do every style really well, but I'm just one man. I'm just one man making these beers. Um, but I, you know, if, like I said, if if I'm going to make something, it's going to be I'm going to put all the research I possibly can. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to play hard into it. Um, so it's, it's going to be made in a certain way and it's going to be good. And I wouldn't release it. I would dump it down the drain if it didn't come up to a certain yeah. standard for me. Um, and we, you know, we maintain that as a brewer owner guy in this industry. Um, that that's something special that we can kind of maintain. It's like, if it sucks, just, it's not getting released because I taste it and I'm a beer drinker. I'm a beer lover. And that's not some like marketing BS. It's like, it's got to taste good and it's got to be something I'd be proud to like serve yeah. on the bar, oh, mm. you know, or, or put yeah, on my online we, store we that fuck, I ship. Of course. And we, we fuck with that attitude because, uh, you know, this is something that we've talked about multiple times before is that the breweries that, that like that we love the most are the ones who are passionate about what they're brewing, who are brewing the yes. beers that they want to drink. And uh, like, and, uh, like it, it really seems like that's uh, like that's what you're about, uh, uh, like 100. percent And I think, uh, like, I, I think that shows through. Like, you, you know, if you're not going to put something out that you're not uh, like that, you're not passionate about, that you're not uh, like, like that, you're not pleased with the quality of that. It's not go- like you know that no one, like, none of your consumers are going to uh, like are going to taste that beer that you're like that you're not happy with. Like that's the kind of attitude that produces the best beers that like that we've ever had. Like I think C will agree with that assessment. Could not agree more. I think it's important. Like everything you've said, Jordan, the way that it's like I love that you're like I know you were kind of maybe like joking-ish, but you're also like no one tells me what to do. But like that's that's important. Because if it's one person in charge of the brewing, every brew as Nate just said the best breweries do what the fuck they want to do because they want to do it. They don't really bow mm. down to trends or to like people want this and blah, blah, blah. Like if you're tapping into lagers, it's because, all right, you're convinced the lagers are worth your time and then you do it. That's what I think make the best breweries out of, you know, doing this for eight years and speaking to so many people. That's what, you know, we have figured out that the, the best breweries just do what they feel is best if there's no passion behind it it's really hard to make it good and that goes for any industry really and particularly this is like a you know science art thing so if it's you don't care then how are you going to make it good you can't just like half-ass this stuff like it has to be nerdy and you have to drill down to every element that you've we've been discussing tonight like i feel like this is not the direction I thought this pod was was going to go, and I think this is way more interesting than anything else we could have done because you're totally talking about the philosophy of approaching beer and how like important the water is and those each elements that all come together to contribute to, to the end product. The best breweries do what you are doing, and I think that's why you're around today and that's why you're in the conversations in the province of Ontario. You know, like I was in Quebec for 10 years, and obviously, I'm in, I was in Ontario all the time, but now I'm here full time and focused a little more on Ontario, just because that's what I see when I leave the house. And you guys are in the conversation for a reason. You know, there's not that many breweries that are in that like 
the best in the provinces, you know, particularly in this hype world, which is what most people would be talking about. And it's the dedication to each of those elements uh, to just make the most fire shit. And I don't know, man, it's pretty consistent. It's pretty obvious. And I think people know, you know, clearly, and we know, and the people who are listening and who are familiar with Rouge River, the reason you're mentioning these, uh, you know, conversations is shit is A1. That's what we're here for. A1 fire. You know the That's vibes. Right. Thank you. Do, A1 Wagyu. A5. Oh, A5. <laughs> is that what? Is that the best Ooh. Wagyu? Is A5? God damn. A5, baby. Do you know why I say there was is this? It? I think it's up there. A5, it's up there. A5 Wagyu. Okay. Okay. There was this Tumblr like screenshot joke. It was like this dude who was like, oh, girls think they got it hard. Dude, we have to be like doing these like acrobatics while giving you these A1 strokes. It was like this sex joke. And I just always thought it was funny saying A1 strokes. And I kept using A1 <laughs> now as like the best thing that you can get. Like if you want to give the best of whatever it is, it's like A1. But then if now Wagyu's got a different scale. I don't think that- A1's the best. So that guy was, he fucked up the game. He maybe should have said A5 strokes. Yeah. He might, be, he might be, he probably he hasn't be. had a good steak before. <laughs> yeah. He's got to eat more steak. He's got to learn. So, you know what? Yeah. He ruined me because I guess I haven't had enough steak because I didn't know. I just keep saying A1 all the time. <laughs> and if it's not that good, I'd be like, oh, well, if you guys B2, you know, like, like you bring it down. A1 is bit. the steak sauce. <laughs> maybe that's what he's talking about. Uh, that steak or sauce. Or is that that H1? Is it H from that? Or is it's it not a? a good steak sauce, though. Yeah, it's probably not the good that British. No, HP. That's the one. The British one. But there's also A1. Yeah. I think it might be a steak sauce. Hmm. Maybe I need to learn more it, about it, the steak world. It, it, it is, is a there steak sauce. Steak sauce? Are you looking at that, Nathan? But you, but you would never, but you would never put A1 on a like on a good steak. <laughs> no, you would just eat that shit raw dog. No, you wouldn't use A1. Maybe a little bit of salt. Yeah. Pepper. 100%. Keep it. Keep it clean. Salt and pepper. Um, speaking, I, I was trying to do a segue. I ain't got no segue. What do we want to do to maybe, uh, <laughs> well, what do we want to do next, boys? What are we feeling? What's the vibe? So we've done lager, American pale ale, two different types of hazy IPAs in the six-ish realm. What are we feeling? Jordan, what do you think? Um, I feel, I feel staff, like this, staff choice here. This is, this is on you, my friend. I feel that like was, that was big. Uh, clay, we could do clay or we could do groovy, I think is the options. Okay, so clay is a double IPA you groovy. Could use sour. It... Yeah. I'm kind of, as much as I would love a hazy, a double IPA, I'm kind of thinking to round out the portfolio for everyone to see what we're working with here. Maybe the groovy might be the way to. I'm down for that. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. And I was just bigging up your sours, Let's man. Like I think about that. There was that, uh, what was the name of the sour back then? 2019. Do you remember? Oh, he froze again. I can probably just find Shit. it. Yeah. It's okay. He'll come back. I'm not, I'm not afraid. Jordan's come back before. He's not scared. Um, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. This is uh, that last joint. Fuck me, that was so damn good. Uh, oh my god, that was good. Right? Oh my goodness. I just go. Oh. We'll see the the hate the double IPAs. Ooh, that looking fucking fire, bro. But yeah, I feel like this is the move. 
Um, uh, I'm I'm scanning through the. Wait, Brendan, thank you. So, so you know what this is doing when his screen freezes? You know how on uh, like on iPhone pictures, if you uh, like, if you hold your thumb over. Uh, like over a subject, like specifically over a person, it'll do that thing where it like where it like lights up and sig- like signals out like the person's face. It looks like it's doing that on his face right now. Yes, I know it's exactly what you mean. Like in those live photos or whatever, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know the vibes. Um, That's going to mean nothing to anyone who isn't watching the video, but uh, like you probably know what I'm talking about, though. If you have an iPhone, <laughs> they know what they're talking about. I really hope that. Oh. So actually, I'll wait till Jordan comes back on to tell him about the uh, particular the beer. But yeah, I remember having the sour during the the podcast we did last time, and it reminded me at the time the uh, epitome of um, sours was Jelly King, and it just reminded me of like, mm, yeah. whoa, like this is as good as Jelly King, and because there wasn't really much at the time that was as good as a fruited Jelly King. This is once again pre smoothie yeah. sours. So I'm uh, I'm super curious to see how this one goes, um, and I think it'd be a good yeah. Little... Like and go, yeah. I no, I I think that's the right choice. And Jelly King was de- like is definitely the preeminent dry hop sour in Ontario. Like even the base Jelly King and yes. the fruited Jelly Kings, like have just been absolutely spectacular. I feel like in particular. The berry jelly kings uh, like, have been, uh, like have been particularly money. Not even just a, like like the flavor has obviously been spectacular, but even just like you know when you see when you see like a bright purple thick uh, like kind of the kind of thing there. There's one of those things that even just from a visual perspective is something spectacular, you know. Exactly, and that's what I was excited about from that first. Um, sour Jordan, do you remember the sour that we would have had in that first podcast in 2019? It was, I believe, some sort of peach or apricot sour, and I remember losing my mind over it. And once again, pre smoothie, so it was like tons of fruit, but not like smoothie level fruit. Can you hear me? Um, are you saying com- compare it? Hold on. My internet is still not. Doing we'll kick back in in a sec. This happened oh last God. time. That's okay. Here. Dude, don't sweat it. Yeah. Tell me when you can hear us. Sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. It's technical uh, things and everyone's understanding at this yeah. point. We do, uh, you know, te- tech uh, nonsense happens all the time to all of us. <sighs> we'll get there. But yeah, this. <laughs> That's okay. so annoying dude you're good you're good you're good this particular one i'm i'm very excited about the 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 fruit combo is fire can you hear me now no no oh, i don't think you can no okay it's not oh it is gone we'll wait a second shit yeah, I couldn't find it when I'm looking through Untapped. I uh, I absolutely would have checked into it because uh, you know that's how the fuck we get down. Um, but either way, it was just like you know it was cool because back in 2019, you know the main things that uh, Rouge River did were haze and, and fruited sours, and it was just money. I'm pretty sure it was. It's got to be peach or apricot or some sort of like something like that, some sort of stone fruit. Um. That was just phenomenal. All right, let's see if this works. Jordan, sir, 
Have we got you? Yeah, yeah. Back on my girlfriend's phone. Okay. okay. Should, That's the one. <laughs> okay. And as you call in, there my, my camera just died. It's okay. I'm going to switch mine out. That's okay. That's okay. We, we still got you, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The audio is still here. Do you remember, Jordan? We had a uh, sour during the podcast in 2019, and it was either peach or apricot or something along those lines. Do you recall by any chance um, what that was all about? Uh, the beers we used to have. Yeah. It was, I couldn't um, find yeah, it. Yeah, we used untapped. to do, like, we've gone through so many styles. Uh, I just remember know, we used being to call them just like whatever sour. Okay. Peach sour, apricot sour, strawberry sour. It was very Something creative. Like you know how we used to name the beers. Yes. Okay. I just, uh, that's fair. I just remember being, um, <laughs> genuinely fantastic like really i was saying to nate just while we were getting reconnected it was at the time um the the fruited jelly kings were kind of like the baseline for like fruited sour beers and i just remember being blown away by it because you did a1 haze and then the a1 well a5 uh sours and um this uh, so i'm excited to try this one so the one that we're doing now is like you said called groovy fruit Come on, come on. And this one is a watermelon, uh, strawberry, strawberry watermelon margarita style sour, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited for. Do you have that one? You do. Absolutely. Oof. Oof. All right. Yeah, let's see what she's looking like. Have you ever done the smoothie sour at all? We've we've done a few, we've done a few, but they're uh, they're perilous. If I could say they're they're risky. They <laughs> they have a lot of uh, inherent caution built into them. Completely understood. So we've we we've definitely gravitated, you know, to and from that style throughout the past three, four, or five years. Um, probably probably more within the past three years. We we've experimented heavily with. Um, the heavy, heavy fruit, and then incorporating mm-hmm. the fruit into the canned product. Gotcha. As opposed to um, straining the fruit out, or dumping it, or fermenting it. So this, um, this, this beer, it's all fermented fruit. So we add the fruit during active fermentation towards okay. the tail end of okay. fermentation, um, just to get all that residual sugar fermented out. Um, so it, it, it basically, um, you don't get as much sweetness or juiciness or fullness necessarily, mm-hmm. but it does make the beer very stable over time. So if you do leave it out, it will not explode in your car or wherever you may leave it. <laughs> um, well, you shouldn't be leaving us, like craft beer in your car, but still, no, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, but you know. We've all had those situations where we forget or <laughs> it happens to the best of us. <laughs> it it happens. happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. And so you don't have to worry about something exploding in your trunk or under your car seat or wherever a beer might explode that rolls away or gets forgotten about. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a sour beer, strawberry. We use a watermelon concentrate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is the best way to get watermelon flavor. And it turns mm-hmm. out there is almost no way to get watermelon flavor in a natural way, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is what we're suffering here. Like we're okay. trying to use an actual watermelon concentrate. Um, if you use watermelon puree, you you could make a sour out of watermelon puree and still probably not taste watermelon. You know, if you use gotcha. that as the whole water source, um, that's my hot take on watermelon flavor. But um, you you need to use some kind of concentrate or extract, pr- pr- like extract, to be quite honest. Uh, and we're not using extract here. Um, we're just using like a concentrated watermelon product, and you still it doesn't really come through. Full it's tricky when you're like when you're trying to <laughs> capture the essence of a fruit that is like almost entirely water. <laughs> Hence the name, exactly. Cheers, legends. Like watermelon. Yes. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Mm. Yeah, wa- watermelon is like. Um, I think the funny thing about watermelon is is people know it more as a candy flavor than like an actual good point experienced flavor. Yeah, like, you know I mean? like, like more well, like more as a Jolly Rancher than. And mm. as an actual flavor yeah. of fruit. People want to taste the Jolly Rancher taste of watermelon, which is not what watermelon actually tastes like, which is the fundamental no. problem with the watermelon flavor. And so anyways, uh, so we, we use some watermelon concentrate, but it's basically just, you know, it's, 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 it's never, it's never going to happen unless we use some ungodly amount of that. So you get a lot of strawberry. Um, we use a little bit of tangerine puree because mm-hmm. um, every good margarita has a little bit of a orange component, Fair. a little bit of Cointreau triple sec, you know, orange component. Um, and then, yeah, a little bit of lime juice, a little bit of lime mm. juice in there as well, which is another good part of a margarita. And then, um, yeah, mostly strawberry. Mostly strawberry, a little bit of tangerine, a little bit of lime, and then the watermelon uh, concentrate. Yeah. So, I dig it. It's tasty. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Um, but it works. It's uh, It's got all the things you need, um, particularly this time of year. Um, you know, with the, the, you know, once again, technically summer, um, super fruity, very, very crushable. I, I really nothing else to say. This is this is fantastic. It's a nice nice balanced little like little gem that sort of rounds it all out. Tart, tangy. That's the words I was looking for. Um, yeah, man. A little bit of salt as well. Actually, yeah, the I salt is that we throw is, a little bit of um, a little bit of a pink Himalayan just for ooh, for style. Gang, gang. Up in there. I love it's that. Nice, yeah. it, not, not, it's, not it's nice. Not 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 salty per it's se, not, but uh, it's just a little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just it's like not background. quite like a seawater kind of thing that you might guess from, like that you might get from a goza. But the, like, there's a little something there that um, that, that like that kind of contrasts the like the fruit a little bit and makes it a little extra refreshing. Even it's a nice mm-hmm. touch. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of yeah, thing that like, if you um, hadn't said there was salt in it, you probably like you probably wouldn't have necessarily noticed it, but you would feel that kind of little parching effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just makes it a little more satisfying, like on the finish and in the body. Yeah. But it's like a funny part about salt is there's such a big spectrum 
in like what's perceivable or whatever. Like there's such a huge, there's such a huge spectrum in there. So we're, we're trying to get it where it, it makes it feel, it, it feels full and it feels satisfying, but it, you wouldn't think it's salty. It's not like, Oh, like you, it's, a, it's like swallowing salt water. Like that would be the extreme yeah. example. But you know that would be way yeah. obviously way too salty. But but something that's just like oh it's just like it just kind of has a little background satisfying character, you know. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. I've I've definitely have go I've definitely had gozas before that have taste like that have legit tasted like they were brewed with seawater, um, and like uh, like and they were good for what they were because I was like because I was expecting that it would like with it being advertised as a goza this is one that if I had not known there was salt in it I don't know that I would have picked it up I'm tasting it because I know it was in it we talked before about you know all of the preconceived notion how you can be primed for flavor and all that but it is not a like it is not a standout flavor in this the strawberry is definitely way more up front and uh, like in kind of the citrus mm-hmm. notes of the tang- uh, like of the tangerine and lime juice come like come through way more than that. The, like the salt is more of a less detectable uh, the, the, like addition to it, but really serves the uh, like the overall beer quite well. I think. Yeah, this is like I think another fun one that would be like. I don't want to say experiment. We're not experimenting on our customers by any means. We love you all and we cherish you, but like not saying there's salt in it, right? Like not knowing that there's salt or it's been salted and seeing like what people perceive in that. Like if they didn't know there was like, but if about a kilo, a kilo of salt in the whole batch and like 10 barrels is about like 1200 liters. So it's about a thousand grams of salt in the whole situation. But if you didn't know there was salt added, would, would you have like called it out? separately necessarily and that that always you know that gives me a kick once you so once you say they're like they're salt people tend to be like oh yeah 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 like i, I get the salt but if you didn't say exactly you know, I, you know if you didn't know or you didn't if you didn't look up the, the tasting notes or whatever would you say like oh yeah there's salt added and and that that to me that's like the fun play and it's just it's like a sh- like to me it's like we're, we're chefs at the end of the day it's like you don't need to ask why it tastes yeah. good. Like you just need to enjoy it. And it ideally just adds to the experience and you know, you get these little notes. It's just supposed to taste good. And you know, absolutely. And I think it does taste good. I think it tastes great. And the job is done. <laughs> That's what we want. It's a, uh, and it's not overly salty and you no. don't notice it. So it's, it's enough. I mean, it's called a margarita. So there's an expectation of salt. You've like set that there. And watermelon is a light flavor that everyone knows. Um, and uh, the strawberry is also a pretty chill flavor. So it's like, it's just like a great, not uh, not too intense, very cru- like it's like a crusher that it's like sometimes sours can be a little filling, I guess, maybe depending on the volume of um, fruit. And this is like a, you know, you could rock this by the pool, by the beach, in the park, whatever. Legal drinking situations that present themselves. Um, yeah, you can crash this uh, all summer along with no no problems, which is uh, which is fine. Yeah. And it's like cool con- contrast to the to the rest of the beers we've had tonight. This is uh, it's rolling out to LCBOs across the province currently. Nice. 
Um, so yeah, it's nice. just in a few stores right now, but um, I think we got about 60, 70 cases that are rolling out across the province. Hell yeah. And uh, I got another batch coming that's not been brewed yet, but I got to make it. And uh, and then that will be in more LCBs in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Same. Uh, Once I made it. <laughs> Once you made it. Same fruit blend. Strawberry watermelon, margarita. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, this is like the summer seasonal for Rouge River at the LCBO. So this yeah. will be the mm. one you'll see at all the LCBOs. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have this for the next couple of months. You'll see this around town. Amazing Durant coffee. Yeah. Other locations. <laughs> Head on LCBOs, down. Other bars. I love to so see forth. that. When did yes. you guys? Uh, I mean, obviously, last time we chatted, you guys won in the LCBO at all. What? Uh, when did that happen? How did that happen with the LCBO? Yeah. Um, you know what? Like, there was a desire to bring our delicious beers to more people and uh, expand our reach. Um, and just having one physical location, as we do in Markham, um, you know, limited us a little bit. And I, I think I think the beer has a lot of potential to expand and, and reach different people. And you know. The, the quality should be enjoyed by a, a greater amount of people. And so it's just a way to expand our reach a little bit um, and just kind of try to get the word out. Um, Cause yeah, just having a tap room and a social media presence is, is like one thing, but obviously there's Ontario is a big place <laughs> sure for is. better or for worse. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people here. And so, like, reaching the LCBO is, like, a big uh, opportunity for us. So that was just kind of, like, you know, we, 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 we don't we, we don't want to be the biggest brewery in the world. Like, I don't have those those desires. Like, quality and control of, of product is, you know, as a brewer is very important. Um, and we're st- still able to do that at this scale. Um, I still make all the beer myself, every batch. Um Hopefully not forever. I mean, it's great that I do that, but like uh, ideally one day you got to kind of let go a little bit, but um, for now it's, it's, but it's still me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just a desire to just like kind of, kind of, kind of expand and, and just try to, you know, spread the, spread the message a bit and get to, you know, to reach more people. Have you, what have you seen as far as the results of, for, for however long you've been involved in the LCBO? Like, have you seen, People come in the tap room and be like, oh, how did you hear about us? I'm like, oh, I was in the LCBO and I saw Holy Trinity. I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, I like this beer. I'm going to come check them out. Like, is there any sort of like maybe anecdotal sort of evidence on that? Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely, I think there's a little bit of like, and it, it's so hard to quantify all this stuff because like the people that go to the LCBO, they're not talking to us and they're not messaging us necessarily. There's, there's right. people that come in that say, Oh, I tried in the LCBO and I loved it. And I wanted to check out more. And then there's, you know, there's just like, it's, it's, it's really hard to track some of this stuff, but, um, it's a little gray. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we try to talk to everyone that we can, or that's willing to try to whatever, but, um, it's definitely expanded our reach quite a bit. And there's, as like the people that are dedicated to craft beer, like, are they willing to place an order on our online store, right? Say you try our beer in Hamilton or you try our beer in St. Catharines and we're in, we're in LCBOs out there, but you got to really like it, right? And you got to be like, I love this. I'm willing to pay 15 bucks for shipping, whatever the case is. And, and some people are willing to do that and um, that that's all good. But um, 
No, it's it's been it's been good. It's been good. And I think it's definitely just like helping our growth this year. We're definitely seeing, you know, people people coming in that wouldn't necessarily have come in before. So hmm. no, it's it's overall very positive for sure. That's dope. It seems like um I guess one of the things I'd sort of noticed over the last few years is that there's breweries like yourself and a few others that typically weren't traditionally interested in the LCBO of maybe I, I, my guess is that COVID kind of pointed like, a, you know, that, that, that two, three years, whatever it is, like had sort of like shown that there is some benefit in, in being placed there, even if it's maybe like, you know, financially not a huge gain or even like a break even point. And then that resulted in more people, like a brand awareness type of campaign type of thing, just for people to know, like, hey, this exists. This there's a, there is an experience attached to this beer that you're welcome to participate in if if you like it as much, whether it's an order online or whether it's a head on down to Markham or whatever. I feel like it makes sense. It's like I've seen. It almost surprised me at first when a few different breweries that that would typically would never have done that started proactively getting in the LCBO. I'm like, oh shit, all right. This is nice to see. Um whether it's and I feel like they're not aimed at people like the three of us. And that's great actually. Because the beer nerds like the three of us are gonna seek out the breweries. We're gonna want that unique experience by going to the brewery, but hey, I got this brewery only release and I got this four pack that you can only get there and blah, blah, blah. But then there's a whole other genre of individuals who are maybe casual drinkers that just like the can art and just be like, oh, that sounds fun. This is local. I like local. Cool. And then they just discover a whole other thing and they go from drinking maybe a steam whistle or a lug tread and then they just move up the the thing and just get nerdier and nerdier. And it's it's given them that opportunity to discover a whole other like realm of, of opportunities for craft beer, which I think is super fun. Um, so it's great to see more of that as long as the LCBO treats the product respectfully, which I think is always, a. have heard it's a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah. Either a crapshoot or a challenge. Like, is that accurate or have you, has your experience been either way? Oh yeah. Like it was never my dream to be in the LCBO. Sorry, LCBO, if you're watching this, but, um, you know, like maintaining control over prod. Uh, yeah. Love you, LCBO. <laughs> love you, baby. But, uh, you know, give me more listings, give me more shelf space. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't really the dream. Like, it's just like maintain control over your product, maintain freshness, maintain refrigeration, maintain like, you know, quality control over dates. So when you order directly from Rouge River, you're not getting something that's been sitting for two months, you know, right. or more. And, and typically it's, you know, six weeks old, you know, or less, like whatever it is, whatever's new is what's in stock. Um, and when you order from the LCBO or you walk into an LCBO, it's, you're not necessarily getting that experience. Right. Um, and that for, if you're into hazy IPAs or even regular, you know, even non hazy IPAs, just West coast stuff. That's just as important, really. Uh, loggers, you know, they're a little more forgiving, you know, to be honest. You know, it's it's very true. Super, super critical. So you can get better experiences with that being, uh, you know, a few months old or whatever. But um, as a brewer and a beer lover, like freshness and quality is like, 
I want everyone that drinks one of my beers um, to be the best experience possible, you know, and then kind of giving that control over to someone else that doesn't necessarily feel the same way is like the worst thing ever. You know, it's like having someone babysit your kid that you don't really know, or, you know, you don't really trust them so much. You're just like, okay, like, okay, send them home. Like maybe like be home by nine. Whatever the case is, <laughs> make sure you feed him. He'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, he'll be okay. And you're like, well, That's I don't know. Terrifying. They might hide. They might hide a case in a corner for like three months and lose it, and then oh, we'll scan it into inventory. And um, anyways, it, it's kind of uh, you are right, it's a crap you know. Shoot. Yeah, for someone who cares so much about beer, it's not you know. But it, it, being in Ontario, and this is just kind of the system we have to work with, other than the independent bottle shops who we love and sell a lot of our beer. But it's just like we got to kind of play. We got to play the game a little bit for us where we're at right now. So we we try to yeah. make the best of it. And we we send out fresh beer to the LCBO the day it's packaged. So when it's off the line, it goes to them. Um, but once it's in their hands, it's like kind of in their hands. <laughs> yeah so not much good. you can do <laughs> not much you, like not much you can do from like from that point until it ends up on a store's shelves and then and from then until it ends up in someone's uh in someone's hands yeah exactly exactly so I, it, like i said it's just it's just in ontario being you know like like i said we're i we're just at a point where the tap room is good but we we want to kind of spread our wings a little bit and so we're trying to get out there and we have great stores in London, Hamilton, Ottawa, like we have stores, uh, LCBS stores that order our stuff like pretty frequently. Um, but like I said, it's like once we get it out to our distributor who gets into the stores, like, you know, it is what it is, but I, I like, I'm, you know, I put the love in, we, we, we try to get the highest quality product to them that we can. And then it should hold up pretty well for, mm. for a, a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. But yeah. If you want the, the best thing. possible experience, you come to the tap room and mark them and you hang it with me at the bar and I'll tell you yeah. everything you need to that's know. All, that's ultimately it is that you're never going to get a better experience than actually like actually going right to the source. And like and like you say there are like, like there are some great LCBO stores, but it really depends on if they happen to have a really good beer manager if they've uh you know if they've hired that, like if they've hired the right person who cares, there are some great LCBOs. I know the ones that I like to go to in Ottawa. I don't go to LCBOs very much. Like it's maybe like once or twice a year, to be honest. But like there's a couple that have really good beer managers who have really really good stock, and the stock is surprisingly fresh. Mm. But as is the like as is the case every time, you're never going to get something fresher than going direct to the brewery. I will say, I will admit this right now. Um, so on all of our products, like a lot of breweries, not a lot, of, I shouldn't talk, talk any, anything negative, but on all on the bottom of all of our cans, there is a packaged on date. I love that, by the transparent. way. Very transparent. It is a day, month, year. Yep. There and, is no nonsense. Yeah, which is so like... A lot of, a lot of people are common. scared to put that. Yeah. Uh, people put like Julian date codes. If you guys are familiar with those, like, you know, the, the number yeah. of the day of the year, people put their own proprietary codes and whatnot. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Don't be scared. You know, 
Yeah. No, it is. It's all anything, anything, but something, but a very clear packaged on date is just obfuscation. Like, like it's, it's, say, like there's, it's, there's, it's nothing if it's not very obvious. Best before or like this and that. And you're like, when's the best before? Like, what's your definition? Some breweries, like it's, you know, international breweries, you know. Often do Could that. Could be 12 yeah. months, 20, 24 months, 24 months best before. So if the beer's made almost two years ago. And you're like, oh, it's still good. It's two years old. Like Pilsner from like you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> from wherever the best before days don't really cut it i noticed a lot of the larger ones do that as opposed to the packaged on date but i feel like anything less than a packaged on date is kind of like not i was gonna say disrespectful but just sort of inauthentic like, yeah, the, I, I need a, to know when it was packaged, packaged on date a packaged on date is the most honest. Yeah, and look, you like, can have like, those little fun typing things where you can put a little fun thing on there, but don't fuck around and not put, because I've seen some breweries just have so much fun with it that they don't even put the date. It's just like some little quote or whatever, which is cute, and I, I respect it, but don't replace the date with the little quote. Like the date is yeah. so important because we need to know, and I've been into LCBOs and I, like, I've seen beers that were eight months like like I, hazy ipas that were eight months old plus and it's crazy and that's typically why but i feel like though that isn't aimed at the three of us we are different types of consumers we will go to the source we will go to the durand to the princess cafe to the wheel brew to the fourth and seventh we will go to these places and uh purchase under dominion friends of dominion store like we will go and and grab the freshest stuff because we know that the proprietors of these independent craft bottle shops have direct relationships with people like you, Jordan, and the different breweries that get it fresh. The LCBO is to mm -hmm. attract a different consumer. Um, not all of them are as savvy as the hardcore beer drinker that don't even know that there's a you know package on date or should be a package on date on the bottom of the can. Every single time I walk in an LCBR, I go in those walk-in fridges, I'm just like, oh, oh, nope, 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 nope. And it's, I feel like I want to message. I, most of the time, I always check the breweries of the, the beers of the, <laughs> the people I know. And I want to like, send them a text, but like, bro, you fucking seen this shit? Like, you'll be pissed. Like, I don't always do it because I don't want to raise anybody's blood mm. pressure. But like, you know. It's it's upsetting as a consumer. I'm like, what are you doing? You're disrespecting these individuals that have sent you this stuff and you're not treating the product with respect. And like like you said, maybe there was hiding in the corner and they didn't put it out on time. Why are you selling a beer from October and it's June? Like that's the type of stuff I'm seeing. And I've I've really seen that here in Hamilton. And mm. it's crazy to me. Not even to mention the ones without the walk-in fridge that have had New England IPAs just sitting on this casual shelf in, in different locations. I'm like, this is just bonkers. Like, it's, you know, it's a lot of effort for the brewery to be able to keep up with that and to keep up with every store. I've had some breweries tell us in the past, years ago, um, that they only sell X amount to each LCBO. And if they start to ask for more, they're like, okay, well, you're selling through the other stuff. What's the dates looking like? You know, are you keeping them cold? And they really have mm, to like, mm -hmm. you know, bust their chops a little bit to to get that level of what's the word? Like, I don't know, not protection, but you know, 
the beers have to be treated a certain way and and, and it depends on the beer mm. manager like my brother's friends a beer manager at the one on queen and coxwell um i used to trade mm. with him when coming from montreal i'd bring stuff for him he'd always hook me up with the late he's obsessed his shit is a1 out there that store is kill or mm. a5 whatever his store is a5 kill- a5, a5, a5 wagyu um <laughs> a1 strokes a5 wagyu very different <laughs> Um, and his, his store is great. I've been there a couple of times. I'm like, every time I go there, I'm like, Oh wow, this is fantastic. Like they're really, I could tell it was very thoughtful the way that the beers that need to be kept cold were in the fridge part and the beers that didn't matter as much, you know, like maybe some stouts or whatever in the sort of regular part. And it was just like, all right, this was curated by somebody who knows what they're talking about. And that isn't the norm I would say. So it's, you know, a lot of the, 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 onus is on the brewery to make sure that their product is treated as such. And as you know, that's probably okay if you're in five LCBOs or 10 LCBOs, but as soon as you hit more than that, is it even possible for any brewery to realistically keep track of that and to make sure their product is being treated? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. And so this is like the big thing. I, I think like the number one key, and I think this is what we do right. And a lot of, I shouldn't say like some, some, some breweries don't do for, for whatever reasons they have. It's like just transparency. So right. Like I said, it's just like, we throw the date on the bottom of the can and that might make you hate it and it might make you love it or it might make you indifferent, but you have the information and like is. as an experienced craft beer drinker, maybe like if you learn about freshness and how that impacts hazy IPAs or, or whatever style, we give you that information. And I think like doing best before dates is kind of, that's kind of smoke and mirrors type situation. Like, well, is it six yeah. months? Is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? Is it 24 months? Like imported beers can be up to two, you know, and some of the Belgian stuff, which does hold up to, you know, three, five tenders. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a 10 year best before date. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Which yeah. is cool, which is cool. It's, it's legit. But when you're talking about uh new England IPA or West coast IPA, no, that's, you know, that, that should be a three month, you know, best before max kind of situation. Yep. Um, a canned on, a canned on date is really the most honest. It leaves the less open, like the leaves the least open to interpretation and like the least open, like the least open to any kind of questions of how it's been stored, all of this other shit. It's if you know when it's canned, like you like, like you really have the most information that way. Yeah. Yes, I think like like I said, as a, as a beer drinker and a beer lover, it's like I want people to know, and then kind of maybe the converse side of like the consumer uh, perspective is like maybe they give us a little more um, grace, saying, "Okay, well, it is five months old. Okay, it's not going to be as vibrant as it was." a week out or two weeks or three weeks. So we kind of bank on both of those being like, here's full transparency. We're not trying to lie to you. We're not trying to trick you. And then maybe we get, you know, these people, we, we do get those reviews like now and then it's like, look, I know this is not fresh, you know, and people, yeah. you know, yeah. take, take that as you will. You put it in your fridge for too long or it was sitting on the LCBO shelf for however long. So we, we try to play over both ways. But like I said, like, as a, as a beer drinker, just tell me when you put it in the can and I'll make my own call. Yeah. Thank you, know, you. I'll decide. I'll decide. I, that's really um, what it is. And you can decide. Yeah. I feel like anything less that is, is like, 
Exactly. It's, it's kind of disrespectful. Like you need to know when it is. So then you can be like, well, if this is this brewery and this style, then I'm like, I'm comfortable with it being X months old. And you can sort of make your own decision. But and yeah, the, the best before is something that I've seen more and more lately. And like, I, I find it frustrating just as you guys are, are, are talking about too. So I feel like the LCBO really does have a an obligation to, you know, what they are the gateway. And we, like, I don't know, Nate and I talk about this a lot on the pod, but I feel like gateway is such an underrated part of craft beer because that's what's growing the community. Gateway beers and gateway, you know, sometimes it's gateway breweries, but often it's just gateway beers. And if the LCBO isn't treating them properly or at least, you know, helping facilitate that conversation in some shape or form, then it's not helping craft beer grow. And that's really what all of us here really care about. We want craft beer to grow. We want more people to be involved in it and to be aware of it and to try it. And we don't want them to have a negative experience. So if they're going to go and buy an eight month old hazy IPA, not knowing that that's supposed to, that that's not right. You know, how are they supposed to have a good experience? And if that's what they go, Oh yeah, I had those hazy IPAs. They, they suck. They're all like, blah, blah, blah. Like they're not going to get a good experience, particularly this is some people's first uh, exposure to this stuff. It doesn't happen as much with wine or whatever. They could go and just, you know, go through the VQA section and be like, cool, this is from Beamsville, beautiful, and, and grab that and it'll be fine. But it's different with beer if it's anything but maybe a lager or a stout. If it's any sort of hop-focused beer, then, you know, and it's their first time trying it, and they don't know to look at the bottom of the can, and they might think it's okay, but not mind blowing. But if you have that beer fresh, it's mind blowing. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's it's interesting. It's an unfortunate like catch twenty two that we're all in. That they are the ones who are the gatekeepers of that gateway um, uh, opportunity to new consumers, but they also don't, uh, ref, you know, they don't respect it in the way that they perhaps should. So it's, you know, just maybe it's lack of knowledge in the people who are running the beer thing. That some people are just, you know, some you go to some stores and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what your beer section is. This is a joke. And then you go to some others and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is really thoughtful. This is well, you know, well positioned and stuff. So it's, it's crapshoot, like we also said, which is unfortunate, but I still think overall, I would imagine, and probably this is how you feel, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's the benefits outweigh the cons currently so therefore it is worth you continuing to put particular products in the lcbo um to gain those new consumers yeah like like i said like we we put the freshest beer out to the lcbo we store it cold you know we 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 brew as we need to to send it out to lcbos which is like our big advantage like we're not stockpiling like we're not big enough to we're not big enough to brew for enough for like six months and right. you know wait to send it out like we brew as we need to so it goes out to the stores like as as it's as it's ordered and it stays in our cold storage like we don't have a big walk-in cooler but everything must stay cold there's no debate about that there's no Hell yeah there's no there's no question that any finished beer won't be refrigerated the entire time that we have control um so yeah, we, we keep it refrigerated the entire time and then we send it out as fresh as we can and um, we maintain the quality like as best we can, like I said. And and then ideally, like the idea, um, ideally the idea is people, you know, they get it at the LCBO and they're intrigued and they're like, oh, this is really great. 
you know, they may or may not check the bottom of the can, depending on their level of, you know, savviness or, or you know, concern for, for date codes and whatnot. And um, you know, we, we do the best we can, and that's all, that's all we can do for now. Yeah. But hopefully when they come to the brewery or they order from our store or whatever the case is, they're going to get something special that's, you know, and, and, and as you know, like you've been to so many breweries, you when you taste brewery, like taste beer right from the source, there's something special about it. And there's something, Very that, much so. I don't know if you want to say, I don't know if I would say you get addicted to it. Um, I can't really speak to that because I've been tasting beer directly from my brewery for so long, but you just can't match that level of flavor and, and quality. No. And so going to the LCBO tends to be a bit of a difficult experience unless you know what you're looking for. Um, so there, there is that, but when, once we, you know, our, our, at the end of the day, our goal is to get people to the brewery because that is the best experience, right? You're, you're tasting our beer from our brewery on tap, our lines cleaned regularly, the highest quality, the freshest stuff, you know, kegs that have traveled 15 feet from the fermenter <laughs> to the keg, which, you know, dry hopped. So it's, uh, you know, and the more that we can get people appreciating, you know, whether it's fresh Pilsner, even like Pilsner. Sure. Like you try the German stuff, it's fine, but you try stuff made by us. It's not going across an ocean and being traveled on some kind of, you know, tanker or whatever the case is. It's like, yeah, it's not made by German per se. I don't have any German lineage per se, but you know, we got all the ingredients and, uh, we make a hell of a go at the whole thing and it's fresher. Couldn't agree. I feel like more. I'm on a rant. No, no, no. You're <laughs> right though. You're, I mean, you no, can call great. it a rant, but you're not wrong even in the slightest. It's, and then the whole point of the LCBO is to inspire people to do what you just said. And that's really it. I mean, it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not like a huge margin in LCBO listings. It's not about, this is, people might think the breweries this big money grab, like, no, fam, like, the, the money side of LCBO is is minimal and, and, and negligible. But what it is, is branding and brand awareness and coming into the taproom awareness and heading to the website and ordering awareness. And that's really what you're trying to generate is in, like, they discover you and be like, ah, it's sick. That's the way that craft beer works. You go to a store, and you could say this anywhere. Like, say, I don't know, we went to Rochester in February. It's the first trip we'd been in three years. And uh, my friend who works at Mortalis told us to go to this store. We went to the store, and they had some killer shit. A bunch of breweries I was mildly familiar with, and I just bought a bunch of stuff. Just like I already had some other things, but I was excited to just go and try it. And it was, you know, some of it was older, and I declined to grab the things that were older because I am a savvy, I consider myself a savvy consumer and there were breweries that I was fan, a huge fan of actually, but the beers were too old for my liking. And I was like, uh, if I told the brewery owners that that's how old it was, they probably wouldn't have been the happiest, but you know, this was upstate New York, Western New York. It is what it is. And I was able to grab a whole bunch of stuff. And then I became fans of breweries that I didn't know of because I was mildly familiar, but willing to try and roll the dice on a bunch of stuff. And even the things that I had that maybe weren't like, oh my God, mind blowing. I knew that it was not the freshest experience. And some of the stuff, just like say Chris at Duran drives to different places to grab the beers every week. 
um, for mm-hmm. the breweries from the breweries that don't ship because some of them ship. I imagine that you guys are actually shipping to him directly, which makes his life easier. But there's you know a handful that don't. So he, he used to pick up. He used to pick up. Now but, he we ship him stuff like every week or couple of weeks. Which is yeah. He used I'm, to he used to come by the brewery. Okay, perfect. Yeah, he's I love Chris so much. He's such a G, and like he cares so much um, that uh, you know it, it makes a difference in his. And that's, you know, obviously a lot of the breweries are the same thing. Evan at the Wheel Brew and Mark at the, you know, Sidewalk up in Kitchener and stuff do the same thing. Like, you know, they have to physically go places. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a different uh, experience overall. But, um, you know, it's it's very, very cool to sort of hear your perspective as a, you know, as a brewery active, both from your, you know, from the brewery's perspective and, and actually putting stuff in the LCBO. I feel like we don't talk about this like a ton on here. So it's cool to get that, uh, you know, direct perspective on um, on how it all works and shit. So. Honestly, I, I hate yeah. the business, but I, I love the business. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I approach it as like a business owner, but also a beer drinker. And they're very conflicted most of the time. Yeah. And it's I the worst thing in the world. Because I want to sell as much beer as possible, but I also, as a beer drinker, I want to know as much as possible, and I want as much transparency. And so, you know, I might bite myself in the ass sometimes, but I I try to cater like to an informed beer drinker. It's just like you can make your own call. Let us know if the beer is old, you know. But put the information out there and let people make their own call. But yeah, yeah. there's there's so many. Anyways, I I feel like I'm about to go into like a rant or whatever, but uh, you know, transparency is key. So we got you covered. Yeah. I agree. Honest, yeah. Honesty is best in your labeling. Yeah, hundred percent. So, Jordan, I feel like we have done really well tonight. I feel like we've gone crispies, American pale ales, uh, IPAs, sours. I feel like we've really given people a, a great picture of what uh, Rouge River is doing in 2023 in comparison to 2019, which was the last time we hung out. Um, this has been a pleasure, bro. This is great. I feel like uh, we need to do this. We're not going to let it last four years again. God damn it. Um, but this is... <laughs> Thank you so much for for hanging out and for for you know for sharing the beers and for having this chat. This is really honest. I feel like I hope it gave people a real like, you know, just a real like maybe bit of insight into what it's like you know being a craft brewer and and seeing what's what, what happens in the industry. And um, you said this was going to be fifteen minutes. I think we went a little over time. Yeah, a little say. over. So I lied to you. <laughs> I, I kept I you thought, on the hook. I we we're having one beer. I yeah. made you put a shirt on for nothing, you know, all of a sudden three hours <laughs> and five minutes. Um, this time flew by, bro. This has been like really a, a pleasure. I feel like we really sort of got into like to a different aspect from last time of, of what you guys are all about. So this is, this has been dope. This has been really great to just sort of just see the growth and, and, and also discuss some things that we don't always get to talk about on here, such as the LCBO stuff, which I think is important to talk about the pros and cons of uh, things like that. So thank you for your transparency and for just, you know, being real about all this shit, bro. The beers are a one, um, a five, a five. I'm sorry. I keep saying the a one thing. A five. I'm going to really look this up and really going to make sure my, uh, you know, my vocab is. On I'll point. send you links. I'll send you links. Don't link worry. me up my G. Um, if you're in Markham, we'll, 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 I'll cook you some steak. Maybe we can do that, man. We can organize a nice Japanese market close to live. Don't Oof. worry about it. 
Oh yeah, Markham. Yeah, that's oh, where bro, all the Japanese. Any, anytime. Any all right, let's talk. Now I'm close we by. Have a nice Japanese market. <laughs> Wasn't there like a something crazy, like a shooting or something at uh, Pacific Mall recently? Something crazy like that. Was it a shooting or was it like? I don't a, know. There was something crazy I saw. I was like, I've been to Pacific Mall a few times. I was like, God damn. Not Markham. Toronto is a wild one. Not Markham. Markham is beautiful, glorious Markham. Particularly Rouge River. Glorious Markham. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news as much. I just watch the weather. The weather's the only thing that matters, really. Like in a work. That's about it. <laughs> Smart man, getting that exercise in. <laughs> So, um, Jordan, you're a champion. What we're going to do, we're going to take a screenshot for the thumbnail. So, do you want to hold up some cans? And then we can, uh, Nate and I will wrap up and then we'll finish up uh, off air. I think we're going to definitely need some, hold some stuff up here. Delicious. I've only got one hand, otherwise, I'd hold up more, but I got two. I can do four here. Oh, come on. You got this, Nate. Come on. Be dexterous. If I don't don't fucking drop them all over the place. (laughs) Jeez. There we go. Okay, you ready? Oh, that is stunning. Hold on. You want to do another one? I got my beard. Okay, hang on. Wait, I can take it again. Wait, wait, wait. Ah, shit. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Boom. There we go. Okay. Ready, ready, ready? Glorious. Um, that is amazing, uh, bro. Where can everybody find Rouge River online and in person? Uh, number one source, come to the brewery, Markham, Fifty Bullock Drive. You'll Don't see me scared. there. He'll be there. Mostly nine to five. I'm there nine to five. That's um, smiling. Open weekend, whatever. Hugged. I'll be here. You'll actually find me behind the bar. Believe it or not, just pouring um, beers, giving out hugs. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, come come to the brewery website, rougeriverbrewery.com, www.rougeriverbrewery.com. We deliver province wide, fifteen dollar flat rate shipping. Bargain shipped by me personally, and I personally. get it out as fast as I can. So give me a break if it's a little <laughs> slow, but I put my heart into it. So I'm a little busy doing other stuff too. Um, it's your boy packing everything with care. So don't forget about that. <laughs> Love and care. Kisses every uh, can on the top. Bar, bar, I kiss every box <laughs> at least once at, before it gets once. picked up. Um, mm, yes. Yeah. And no, no other brewery could say that. There's not no one, no other breweries ever said that uh, in like 400 no, episodes. No, no one has, uh, no one that we've talked to has ever said that before. That's a fact. I take it from start to finish. I take it from conception, recipe, labeling. Sometimes, not all the time. My sales rep, Dane, my boy, he works on some labels, but I will take the thing from conception, recipe, brewing to packaging day to shipping. I won't drink it with you. Unless you come to me, but That's I will fair. drink it with you and like sip it with you. But I'll almost take the whole thing from from start to finish. You know, we get pretty close on that, including the kiss on the so. box. J- Jordan from start to finish is the Rouge River promise. <laughs> the 
That's right. You get the whole package, baby. Oh yeah, let's go. And um, they got, got a little sexual there. I know. Got a little. It's okay. That's what we're here for. It's late night. It's eleven twenty-two p.m. Much. I don't know. Yeah, it was getting late. It's getting late. Getting, I'm sorry. A- Hey, don't, don't you apologize. Little, uh, and where, what about online? What about <laughs> what about social? What's the social so people can come follow Rouge social, River? Social, yeah, Instagram, Rouge River Brewery. Let's go. Um, on the Instas, Twitter, here and there, maybe. You know, I hit the odd Twitter post. You know? Facebook, just, just Rouge River Brewery on all the, on all the situations. Um, Instagram is the primary one. Apparently, there's a TikTok account. But I don't. That's someone else is running that. Okay. The bartenders. So don't. That's not coming from me. If you see TikTok posts from Rouge River, it you know don't trust that fully. <laughs> Instagram is coming from me. Okay. So just Rouge River Brie on Instagram is the primary source. I'm going to tag you everywhere, including TikTok. But I like it. I like that. I like the honesty. Jordan, you're a legend. I'm not aware of TikTok. I don't think TikTok's a real thing. It's whack to That's be just honest. My hot take. It's okay. It's whack. I own a social media agency, and we don't like it. We don't like it, so don't worry. It's okay. It's for the, it's for the children, but we do it for the sake of it. It's okay. You do it. You put the same shit out there that you put everywhere else, and you see what happens. And it gets two hundred and seventy mm-hmm. views, like every other fucking video, and it's pointless. But you know, mm-hmm. you're out here. You do it. It's okay. Um, I love it. Thank you, sir, Nathaniel. Where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Nathan Does Beer and right here on BAOS Podcast. You got damn right. Uh, guys, thank you for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding. So you know one of the new drops. Follow us everywhere at BAOS Podcast, including on TikTok. Um, check out the long-form audio. We drop every Wednesday with the new podcast, uh, 7 a.m. for the audio and then 8 p.m. for the video. Right now we're in the middle. By the time you hear this, we'll still be dropping the Link Up podcast, and there'll be more coming later in the summer. Um, give us a five-star on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because otherwise Jordan will get upset. He'll be very mad. You don't want Jordan mad because then the haze might suffer, and that's what no, you don't want that. You don't want that at all. Um, folks, this was a ton of fun. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.